Hey y'all, this is Patch coming to you before the show with a content warning. Uh, in this episode, we talk about some kind of gnarly spiders and spider-related injuries. That's going to start at around 49 minutes, 15 seconds, and it'll run until about 50 minutes, 45 seconds. Uh, the other thing is, the back half of this episode, starting at about 1 hour, 15 minutes, is pretty much all about abusive parenting. It's not physically abusive, but it is emotionally abusive, and it's very manipulative. So if that's a thing you're sensitive to, uh, just be advised. I hope you enjoy the show. weirdos have to stick together the show where a couple of weirdos have to talk all about the owl house uh, i'm nobody and joining me is the most wanted criminal in the boiling aisles it's quill how are you today quill i'm doing pretty good because like i mean when we did this last week uh i didn't have a job <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> that definitely changed like the day after <laughs> so funny thing i actually had applied for the position with the same company just here in hartford they originally emailed me saying no. <laughs> and then, like, literally the day after we recorded with Mike, I get a text from them being like, hey, you want, like, there's a position open here. We could, like, you know, you're interested in, like, talking about it real quick? And I'm like, sure. And they called me and they're like, yeah, uh, just by the fact that you worked there for us in, like, the Cary, North Carolina offices for, like, 28 months, it's like, we really just don't have a problem just handing you this if you want. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Nice. So, like, yeah. Unfortunately, like, they called me, like, the next day saying, like, yeah, unfortunately, you're, like, right outside, like, I guess the 30-day rehire date that rain, so I still had to redo, like, the background check. Mm -hmm. Didn't have to redo, like, the drug tests or anything like that. Well, thank goodness like, for I that. Guess, cause, yeah, because I guess that's within, like, 90 days, and, like, they even told me in, like, the uh, the offer email that they sent on Tuesday. It's like, yeah, you don't even need to, like, wait 90 days to get back to qualify for, like, PTO in six days. And also you can just get on insurance again if you really want, like, right away. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so pretty good. But yeah, like, See, that's uh, the advantage of working for a real company. The last company I worked for had seven employees. They don't have other branches. There's no way they're yeah, going to offer me another job. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, like very amusing concerning like you say it like that but it's like yeah like my company like that i work for has employees across like the u.s but like our mailroom in north carolina was only three people including myself this one's four including <laughs> myself. so it's like it still feels way smaller but like at least like actually at the town hall i work out of like they actually at least know what we mean when we say the company we work for as opposed to at metlife they were like who yeah. i know you were metlife employee he's like nah i'm not <laughs> yeah no that was a nice surprise I've, I've been there for two days already it's pretty much like about like 75 percent exactly the same because it's a lot of like mail coming in and mail going out and keeping track of it every step in the process but it definitely was something they didn't mention on the phone about like the offer because like when i got there on wednesday not only did they not actually tell the supervisor there that they had found a person to replace uh they were trying to find like a new like full-time like permanent person mm -hmm. for like a year like they had like a few attempts and they had a few people that were there for like a few months before re-deciding and leaving 
So, like, they were really, like, short-staffed for, like, the last year or so, pretty much. And, like, when I showed up, I'm like, oh, hey, uh, I'm Quill, I'm starting today. And they're like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, well, don't worry. I've got, like, at least the... I couldn't print it out because, like, my uh, printer is not working with this new computer for some reason that my roommate didn't have, like, colored ink to actually let it print for some reason. Fun. So I... I still had, like, the offer, like, stuff in my email. So I was like, okay, hang on, let me just show this and pull this up real quick and show you. And they're like, yeah, okay, that that does check out. At least my name, like, the supervisor's like, yeah, my name is on there. So <laughs> I guess uh, I'll talk to them a little bit more. <laughs> you can, uh, yeah, help out. But yeah, it's like, it's really because, like, they were also looking for, like, somebody to be, like, the backup courier because, like, Compared to, like, the MetLife offices where Interdepartmental was just different offices, even, like, the different buildings and whatnot, Interdepartmental, with a town hall, means, like, every public works kind of place, like schools and uh, libraries and even the skating rink. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little different because it's, like, yeah, they have their main guy who does, like, the, uh, the Interdepartmental mail runs, like, down in the morning and afternoon and all, so that's, like, about six hours of his day or so because he does that comes back for lunch and then goes back out again for the afternoon stuff so they're like yeah yeah it's like so like they had me like go with him and it's like yeah you'll be the backup driver in case like he's out or on pto or whatever kind of deal you know just to cover so like you know right with him in the morning seemed pretty easy enough and then the afternoon they had me drive the van which i've never really had driven vans before but i used to work at like a car dealership in illinois for two years moving cars to take photos of them for the website so it's like, I wasn't, like, uh, not as comfortable with it. It was definitely a little bit different just because it was on, like, roads. But all these roads were, like, more, like, more, like, uh, in, like intertown kind of roads where they're only, like, 35 to 40 miles an hour at most. So it's like, okay, it's fine. Well, thank, God it's also, it, thank God it's also not, uh, not uh, an automatic. Or, or, it's, oh, no, no, it is not, it's not a manual. <laughs> I cannot fucking drive stick. <laughs> it's like, geez. Listen, I, I drove for a company for six years, all day, every day on the road. And the thing that you learn really fast is that you cannot really take your lunch when you drive for a living. So I'm just super yeah. grateful that you have a place to go back to to eat. Yeah, like that is basically like the last couple of days, like we would get back around like pretty much like close to 11 because we leave at 8. And like it's like the first three hours to do. It's like, it's like roughly like I think like 14 to 16 stops for each for the morning and the afternoon like different locations in each so it's like yeah it's like it takes roughly like the first three hours of the day to do that we get back a little bit before 11 we take lunch at 11 30 and get back at 12 and then get together at the mail that has to like the interdepartmental mail that has to go to like the afternoon places and go take care of that and usually get back at like 3 30 or so okay and so like yeah so i drove the afternoon and then this morning i drove both i drove like both uh shifts worth it and it's like yeah it, it was kind of surprising because it's like the guy actually told me, like, oh, yeah, you're actually way better at backing up the car and parking it, the, the, the van, and parking it than I am. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm, and, you know, uh, in my mind, I'm like, that's a bad sign because I'm bad at parking <laughs> and backing up and stuff. Meanwhile, like, externally, I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. It helps that, like, the van has, like, a little, like, rear view camera, like, one of those little ones that's in, like, the, uh, the, what's it called, the rear view mirror kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the that, backup camera. Like, yeah. But it's still just, like, it, it gets a little hairy, especially, like, in the morning when, like, all the buses are dropping off kids. Kids <laughs> do not pay attention about cars around them. Kids think they're immortal. And, yeah, so. But, yeah, that quickly gets over, like, the, after, like, the first hour or so. It's like, yeah, all well, the kids are in school, so nothing's really happening. There's a few that let out around the same time of the afternoon drive, but, yeah, it's fine. Because nice. usually those were, like, mostly going around, like, high schools in the afternoon. So, yeah, the kids actually pay attention. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting. D- very weird change after a week. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm trying to still find a job, and then the very next day being like, hey, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Not gonna lie, it's it's gonna be wild. I've been almost three months without a job now, so going oh, yeah. back is just. I yeah, will be like, the it, worst employee for the first week. <laughs> yeah, it still felt weird enough because like it was like a month between when I left the other. Pl- yeah, like basically that because like I mean I left that position on the February fourth because of the move and all, mm-hmm. and then basically ever since I got back here, like once I moved here, it was like about three weeks before I found something, which isn't that bad. Like, pretty good compare it, considering I just moved to the area. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a very, the weirdest thing is like, and this is again like the most first world problems, but like I was talking to my friends about it and they're like, oh yeah, Quill, you're gonna have to like go into a mail, like into a job and be there every week and have to bring your own lunch and everything. Cause like my job was uh, one where I'd be in for two weeks and then be out the other two weeks and then mm-hmm. still get paid by it. And they were feeding us free breakfast and lunch <laughs> on site for two years because of the pandemic and we were like the only like 20 or 30 people actually there on site so they felt bad so they did that so it's like yeah it's like yeah i gotta get used to like what it's like to be like a regular fucking employee and not being babied (laughs) 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 it's strange yeah i'll get used to it again yeah how's your week been uh pretty quiet all things considered um catching up on homework it's it's been a process, okay? That's Yeah. I had like three due at the same time last week and that didn't happen. Yeah. So Yeah. Hey, late like... credit. <laughs> uh. <laughs> how how lenient are your teachers? Because like I know like college professors back when I was in college did not give a fuck if you were late. <laughs> uh, it kind of varies from class to class. Uh, a lot of my classes don't even bother to have a late policy, just as long as you do the work, so mm. I mean, at least that's good. I mean, obviously, you probably get, like, some points taken off if it's late, but... Oh, yeah, later. almost At certainly. least I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking for a good grade here. I just need to have it in there because, you know, as a, even a 60 is better than a zero, you know? Yeah, I guess. But, yeah, better, so I Better to get some and... credit than none, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of somebody who actually did fully fucking fail a class back in college... Stupid fucking statistics, no, statistics class, I almost said statistics class, <laughs> where the, the teacher, I, I don't want to sound like an asshole by saying she didn't really speak much English, but she definitely had like a like Austrian, like a heavy Austrian accent or something like that, where it's like she was not making any sense, and it's like, yeah, I got like a D in that class, but whatever, it was an elective, whatever the fuck. <laughs> okay, I mean. I mean, considering that I only graduated with 121 credits when you need 120, it's like, it was very much just barely that much, and it's like, hmm, it would have at least looked a little bit better if I had that other three from the statistics class from my <laughs> first year of college, lady, but no. <laughs> in my undergrad i actually took five years to do it because i decided just i don't know halfway through my year my third year that i wanted to add another minor so i got a double minor oh boy that took me another year (laughs) yeah i i never actually took a minor i just did my english major i didn't bother for minor really like it's like not the greatest thing but like at the same time just whatever (laughs) college is already hairy enough just trying to get a diploma (laughs) that's interesting my at the school I was at, at least, the degree programs came with minors, like, automatically. 
So I did creative writing, and then you automatically got literature as a minor by completing those courseworks. Yeah, that's neat, actually. Because, like, I mean, when I, like, originally went to my college of Stony Brook, like, I had, like, they originally just, like, asked you, like, do you have, like, a declared major at the store? I'm like, ah, electrical engineering? Because, like, I was at least a little bit interested in that because I took, like, uh, some engineering classes back in my senior year of high school. But then, like... I think it was like kind of quickly on in that semester where it's like actually I don't really so much care for this like now that I think about it I want to do something I'm actually gonna enjoy so that's why I went with English in the end. I still end up having I still have it where it's a uh, at orientation they gave like 2010 graduating class of like <laughs> whatever department you were in because they expected like oh yeah everybody will only take four years for college right nah, not so much <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> <I feel. laughs> But, like, it's still, like, definitely says, like, IT has, like, the information technology uh, systems, like, division or whatever, rather than whatever the English department one would have been. <laughs> so I still have a old, like, college journey book shirt of, like, the wrong department that I wasn't actually, like, graduated in. <laughs> wow. It's also, it's also has a bit, has some holes in it, but it's also really comfortable, just like uh, a t-shirt I also have uh, that just said Stony Brook on it. Which is also one I usually use for pajamas, which looks like ass, but it's like, but it's comfy. <laughs> I don't actually have any memorabilia from my undergrad college. We just, our school store was not very good with the designs, so I never bought anything because uh, it all looked bad. That's a pity, because like, I also have uh, two sweaters from that, like, I got one sweater, like, after my, like, did your college do, like, a three-day orientation before you started? Nah, it was just like a four-hour thing. You go into the okay, auditorium, watch a video. Strange, because we had like a full like weekend thing where it's like go there for a few hours, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which I think like a week before class began. It was very weird. Uh, like... It's possible that this was because I was a transfer student and not a fish. I started in a community college. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, maybe that's why. Because yeah, <laughs> like we had that, and then like at the end of my orientation, my mom's like, "Hey, you want to get like a school sweater?" And it's like, "Okay." So I have that. And... <laughs> That one's definitely ratty, but then, like, I think it was, like, uh, maybe, like, six years later, like, after, like, two years after I graduated, she was like, oh, your old one's getting a bit ratty? I'll go there and get you another one, because, like, by that point, I wasn't living in New York anymore. <laughs> so she got me that and sent me another one. That one that's also a bit ratty, because I've, I've had it for, like, ten years or whatever. Yeah. It's, like, it's it's old, and it's like, unfortunately, I looked at their school store recently because I was curious about it, because <laughs> I kind of need to get, like, a new, like, lightweight hoodie. They don't actually make them anymore, at least, oh, like, the fun. zip-up ones. They, they just make, like, regular sweaters. They don't make hoodies anymore. With the Starbuck logo, which is a bummer. Yeah, that's very weird. Yeah, so I kind of just, like, leave them up on hanging on my wall a bit just to keep them safe. They also gave me a hat at the orientation, so, like, I have a head of these just in letters SB and their school mascot, the Seawolf, <laughs> which nobody knows what the fuck a Seawolf is, <laughs> but it looks neat. It's unfortunately the kind of hat that it's like, well, it just kind of sits in my apartment room because I definitely can't wear it outside because it's definitely just a bright red hat if you don't <laughs> see the front. You definitely think, uh, you kind of think that that's going to be something real bad if you yeah. don't see it from the front. Yeah, fair. Yep. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, this, um, the school I'm at right now, this is my seventh year of college education, counting everything, and it is the fifth school I've gone to, so you can tell that I've never made up my mind once. Jeez, you've been to four of the colleges before this one? Yep. Yeah, I sure wow. have. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, my sister went to, like, three different colleges, because, like, she went to one, uh, I think it was Kutztown in Pennsylvania? No, no, uh, uh, I forget where Kutztown was. 
But she went there for like one semester before she came back because she's like, I am irresponsible and get drunk all the time at 18 years old. That's a great thing to tell your parents. <laughs> so she moved back and went to like Suffolk Community College, which is like maybe like a 10 minute ride down the road from <laughs> our home for two years and then used those credits she had from that to like transfer to uh, Towson University in, or maybe, maybe even getting it wrong. I think I'm getting them wrong. I think Kutztown was Pennsylvania. I think Towson was like an upstate New York kind of place or whatever. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And she she had to take like two and a half years there because like some of her credits didn't transfer over. So it's like, yeah, she was like close to like five years in like three schools. So it's like, it's not that bad. Yeah. Not, not everyone's college education is a great time. <laughs> I'm just saying, you would not believe how many alumni letters I get. Uh, I actually don't get those. I don't get... I guess, actually, if I got any of them, and, like, it's probably in the form of an email, and it's in my email associated with my dead name, which I definitely did not put on this new computer and don't have on my phone, so... Good luck, good luck trying to steal a bunch of money from me, Stoney, because of donation, because that ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, I, uh... I get letters from the Texas A&M Aggie Alumni Association all the time. I didn't graduate from y'all school, guys. Stop it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's very And I do have merch for A&M, but, like, they give it away like candy down there. You, you can't go uh, anywhere without getting a free t-shirt, and I don't wear any of them because they're all Aggie maroon, so... Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'll stick with my current college, and it's purple. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I mean, you gotta uh, rep that uh, queerest of colors at your college, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, my uh, my last school, the one I finished my undergrad at, was also purple, and so my sister is under the impression that I'm just finding whatever purple schools I can. So. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, hey, I mean, I shouldn't laugh at that considering when I had to pick the new, my, my new phone, I definitely did pick one that was, like, the fact that it was an option to have, like, a lavender color definitely did help sway me a bit. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I saw that, and I was like, oh, this phone looks good. Oh, it can be the gayest color possible? Sure. <laughs> yep. It's also got a little bit of, like, a rose gold, uh, sighting thing in like a like a metal kind of deal <laughs> yeah it looks nice incidentally i realize i'm changing the subject here but i'd just like to thank you for not calling me out on messing up the intro so that's that's much appreciated oh i didn't know this i did not know this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i'm dragging but, but... myself here but if you rewind 18 minutes you'll hear that i say uh, a couple of weirdos have to talk about the owl house as if it's an ordeal. We, we are we are contractually obligated to show the Owl House as much as possible, especially with all the bullshit about uh, Bob Chappick supporting the Don't Say Gay bill while trying to say that Disney is so inclusive and that they'll demonstrate it via their shows, which they don't highlight the Owl House and that little missive they put out about that. <laughs> yeah, you don't point out the show that has a canonical bisexual lead who's dating a canonical lesbian and has a canonical non-binary character used to say them pronouns in it uh-huh yeah you're very much standing by your ideals there buddy yep yep i know i already did in a tweet but let's just say it right here fuck bad fuck fuck bad fuck bob chapik <laughs> and we fuck all appreciate you, that you're willing to say that on the air <laughs> yeah i mean look the only people that really listen to this are our friends anyway <laughs> There's no chance that anybody within, like, Disney's legal department ever hear this. And also, hey, fuck you, free speech, motherfuckers. 
I should mention, I did start watching The Proud Family today, uh, the reboot. Uh, yes, you did mention this with that fucking timing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely yeah, got really. some wild stuff in there, but there are multiple gay characters, so there's that at least. At least that. Yeah. yeah. And That's something. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a main character, so even better. <laughs> but yeah, like, the first episode is... The whole plot of it is that a new neighbor moves in and Penny wants to be her friend, but she's so performatively woke that she won't listen to what anybody needs and just tries to help them anyway. Yeah. Which in yeah. this case yeah. is represented by breaking into a zoo and trying to free a panda, even though the panda is sentient and can talk and tells her it doesn't want to leave. <laughs> also, pandas don't do that great even in the wild. <laughs> like, they don't do great in captivity, but they also don't do great in the wild. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. It definitely seems like it has promise, but that is a rough start to a show. Yeah, especially with just, again, the timing of it releasing like two days after the Bob Jappick stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, jeez. <laughs> Betting O for 2 there at Disney. Now my understanding is, and I haven't gotten to this episode yet, but I believe one of the later episodes is about one of the main characters running for a student class position, or a student president position. Yeah. And ignoring the needs of one of their gay friends because they have to remain politically neutral in order to appease the student base and then uh -huh. losing anyway. That, that is definitely the tweet I read too. <laughs> I didn't hear the part about they lose anyway, but yeah. Uh, I mean, at the same time, kind of deserve it if you're not willing to take a stand on stuff like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just... Did, did they not watch the shows they made, I guess? <laughs> no, I, I feel like it's like... I feel like most of the people at Disney that get to like choose what shows they make are just like trying to ignore that the Owl House exists. Really, <laughs> like uh, that got canceled. It's only here for like another like eleven episodes and some specials, whatever. Well, sure, but like that, and then also this new Pro uh, Proud Family show. It's like this just started. You know, it's brand new. So yeah, Who I don't know. I just I mean... feel like they could maybe maybe try not to be the bad guys from the shows that they're actively making right now yeah it's just a little bit <laughs> i don't know but, who, yeah. who can say uh that's all i've got so yeah have you got anything uh i mean just one little quick thing i did uh finally get that uh the port of mario 3d world because they put it on like 30 percent off for mario day nice yeah, I I played a little bit of it because like I'm kind of like I've I've played played it on the Wii U because I'm one of those like eight people in the world that had a Wii U. Oh, believe and... me, I was too. <laughs> okay, yeah, I drove like, to I got so to... many stores looking for a Wii U, but nobody had. <laughs> yeah, see, here's the thing. Like, uh, when I I got it like shortly after I got back from Japan, and like I originally wanted to get the Mario Kart 8 bundle because I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll play Mario Kart 8. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have that, but they had the Mario 3D World bundle. So it's like, okay, well, Mario 3D World, at least I'd heard it was good. And it's like, it's like the kind of game that I didn't really want to necessarily pay full price for anyway. So it's like, sure, I'll get in part of the bundle and get Mario Kart. Because, like, it was really, like, I was getting it, like, maybe, like, uh, a week before, like, the first Splatoon test fire. Which was only, like, maybe, like, three weeks before Splatoon released. So it's like, yeah, like, I wanted it for that mostly. But then, yeah, mostly just played Mario Kart on it a lot. Because Mar turns out Mario Kart 8... And 8 Deluxe is fantastic, and I'm really excited about those DLC tracks they're putting out. Jeez, next Friday, actually, is the first one released. That's so many tracks they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I got that and played it and enjoyed it. So, like, when I got it today, I actually, like, 
I booted up the uh, the Bowser's Fury mode just because it's like I already played the other one mm -hmm. and I kind of want to hold off to it because I wanted to like play that co-op with my roommates because I didn't play much of that game co-op but that's definitely the kind of game that playing it again I'm like yeah I want to I actually yeah. I want to have fun and just murder my roommates by tossing them off cliffs and then the Goombas and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and I told them that too it's like that game just eventually becomes that it's just accepted but yeah. The, the Bowser thing is, like, it's interesting. I know what they're kind of going with it with, like, the things that where Bowser eventually shows up and you have to, like, try to either, like, survive, like, the rainy night stuff mm -hmm. or turn into the big, like, Vegeta, Cat Mario and fight him. But it's, like, it kind of happens a little too often, I gotta say. It's, like, it kind of happens, like, every, like, maybe, like, seven or eight minutes. Wow. It's a little too frequent. Yeah, it's a little frequent. Because, like, it, it changes up some stuff and, like, there's some parts of, like, each of the the little mini zones that you need to like have him like d like directly like attack something to unveil one of the cat shines so it's like it's always kind of a case of like oh i'm in this zone i know i have to go back to that one like mm -hmm. across the map to do because it's night or whatever so it's kind of like splitting your attention between what you were doing in one of those little zones and trying to get that kind of stuff or finally getting to like the big cat belt and just kick his ass and get him to go away for a bit <laughs> so it's like it's it's strange. It's, it's like, it's neat. I, I do like the weird, like, mixture of, like, the Mario 3D World levels and, like, a big, like, Mario Odyssey kind of environment sort of deal. But it's, like, it's it's just a bit strange. But I'm having fun with it. Like, I, I'll, I'll probably just play it until I beat it and then hold off on, like, playing the 3D World part with my roommates. Nice. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. Yeah, and I got it for $20 off, so I can't complain about that. <laughs> it's a great game. I didn't do 3D World, but uh, 3D Land for the 3DS was probably my oh, favorite yeah. Mario game. So. See, I, I played that one, and it made me nauseous. I don't know why. I never played, like, this, the actual, like, true part of it, where, like, you know, after you beat the main game, where it's, like, here's where the real Mario 3D Land starts. Mm -hmm. I never could play that, because, like, I guess near the end of the game, I was just, like, I guess there was, like, too much going on the screen or something. Or something Weird, so yeah. Small. Yeah, it, it wasn't the 3D either. I turned that off at some point, because it was, like, just playing like a game like that on such a small screen, I think it was just making me feel nauseous. So like, I never went back and did that stuff later on, which is a bummer because like I, I did like the things they did with the 3D, where they were like hiding stuff behind blocks and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, well, no, yeah, I I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, bit of a pity, but yeah, 3D World is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I guess that makes it about time to jump into our episodes, wouldn't you think? Yeah, we ran a little bit longer with that because it's about 25 minutes, but whatever. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, so we are back to me going first because we are in a new season, so odd episodes go first again. Um, yep, I get a bit of a break. <laughs> indeed. Uh, this is also the first episode that is not available on Disney+, and so it's also the first episode that I had to legally purchase from Amazon.com. You know oh, right, how it because, goes. Because, right, because of Canada, right. Exactly. That's that's still so fucking weird. Why would they not have it on Canada yet? I don't know. Especially with like season two B starting up. Why would they not put them up? <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. like it's this way with Amphibia too. It's that's not on. The end of season two is the last thing that's on for Amphibia. Jeez. So it's like <laughs> I get it. No, I was about to say, at least it makes more sense with that, but it's like, no, really, because, like, Amphibia Season 2 ended, like, right before Owl House came back, so it's like, they're kind of close enough that, like, the timing doesn't really make any sense. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, Disney Plus is kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah, they got some wild region issues. But yes, yeah. so, uh, Season 2, Episode 1, Separate Tides. 
Uh, we open with Luz uh, investigating a cave, carrying Ida's staff and using a little glow glyph to light her way. And uh, a giant monster shadow appears and tells her to leave, but she refuses and warns this creature Garlog to not underestimate her. And she just sort of gets down into uh, RPG firing position and indicates that she's going to do the magical rocket launcher thing that we saw Azura do way back at the beginning of Season 1, Episode 1. But when she moves, she sees that Garlog is actually a tiny little dude, like six inches tall. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Like, this little bit here just mirrors that intro. <laughs> like, yeah, Luz, Luz already has done this bit once before with Warden Raph, but she definitely would do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the um, the parallelism of it, just that it's her doing the thing now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so she, she grabs him and unrolls a bounty poster and the bounty poster is much buffer and bigger and he sort of threatens her but king just eats him <laughs> so that gives you an idea how small he is and we close this scene with Luz chasing king around trying to get him to spit garlog out so the new credits <laughs> yeah I, oh, I really love this new season too intro credits they're very good i like them a lot yeah i, I especially like everybody like that was like uh, I mean, he's posing it as like the first case of people talking about like gay pose in season two eh, so far. <laughs> the second being her in a clip sync with her like her hip kind of out doing like the little pose of her hand. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Those are the gay poses now. I also just really like the fact that like Lilith and the Golden Guard are in the intro. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's nice they, to they, give everybody some screen time. Yeah, the, yeah, because like the intro before, like it really only had like a little glimpse of like Willow and Gus in it, and Tiny knows worth enough. But like, it's really just like the old intro used to just be lose King, King and Ida, really. But I like that they like really give more attention to like some of the side characters. Yeah, exactly. Even even, even Kiki Mora gets in it, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> that's that's a lot. But like, I, I just also definitely like that they like took the point where like king's bit with the plushies is just fully replaced with bellows because again it's kind of weird that bellows wasn't in the season one intro but then again <laughs> he doesn't show up till the finale anyway yeah i could understand wanting to keep that a secret if you're not showing him yet yeah yeah i guess yeah so um back at the l house luce is recording a video diary for her mom she's says that it's been about a week and a half since she destroyed the portal door so we do get a timestamp on this and she just sort of recaps the last episode, but she's worried that her mom won't understand what's going on. And I guess I understand why she would be worried about that. But also, if she's doing all of these diaries, I feel like her mom would have the context, you know? Yeah, if they were actually sending. Exactly. So she reaffirms that she'll find a way home, and she sort of lifts her leg up to show King clinging to her. But he says that he won't let her go, and she's never going back to the human realm. <laughs> And, uh, but hey, if I if I have my way, that will just happen. Huh. Let her stay in the let her stay in the demon realm. She is much happier there. <laughs> You're not wrong. So we cut downstairs to Ida. This is still loose filming, and Ida's practicing her now much much more weakened magic. She's just barely able to levitate a jug of apple blood before. Well, it does explode. So in theory, if she could explode stuff, that would be helpful. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, she just has to, like, be able to levitate, like, bombs around and just detonate them yeah. by having them accidentally blow up in her face. But yeah, she was trying to pour this apple blood into a mug that said 30 and flirty on it, so... Oh, the, this mug has actually shown up before, and it's not... This isn't the first appearance of it. She definitely had in, like, I think episode 3, mm -hmm. when, like, she's, like, uh, watching King try to feed, like, the slug or whatever. Yeah, and it's gonna be back yeah. in your episode, too, so... 
Yeah, it, it does up a lot. Yeah, I just don't think we've commented on it before, so there you go. Nah, yeah, it's a good bug. Uh, and then we cut upstairs to Lilith, sort of looking out the window wistfully as Luce recaps her backstory. This is, intro is just a lot of recapping for people who missed the first season. <laughs> um, since the portal is gone, there's no more human garbage, and also they can't go get food for her, so Ida and Lilith and Luce are now taking odd jobs and bounties to pay for food. It, we get video of Ida inventing a weapon that she calls the stab catcher, which is just a spear with a bag tied to it. I don't know yeah. what that's supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you impale somebody with that, their corpse is not going to fall in the bag because their corpse is just going to fall backwards and the spear will just be pointing upwards. The only way I could see that being useful is if you managed to behead them with the spear throat and then the head fell in the bag. <laughs> that's the only thing that could be... I mean, what else could it do, yeah. huh? Yeah, a bit morbid, but I mean, like, I guess if you use that also against Lilith or Ida, it wouldn't really do much, because, like, their body parts can just fall off anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, um, we lose ends the video by asking her mom not to be scared and promising to come home soon. And in this episode, we actually do get Spanish subtitles. There's no more speaking Spanish. Hey, an improvement. Yeah, only took him a full season. Um, yep. <laughs> She sends the video to her mom, but it doesn't go through because no signal or something. I assume no signal, but it could be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like a little, like, uh, one of those, like, little red cross designs. But I, I think it's just, again, because, like, they don't have the portal door and therefore they don't have, like, a source to, like, have the Wi-Fi leak in. Yeah, exactly. Funny. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, downstairs, Ida and Lilith have packed the wagon. They're going to town to collect the money for the bounties they've caught. Uh, Bellows has basically taken over this whole town. <laughs> yeah, it, it, them saying that he, like him, he's really taken over is strange to me, considering like he's already the emperor. I, I think it's more like they mean more like he's having like more active patrols around and like having his influence well like known a little bit more. Because like it is Bonesboro, it's essentially like the capital of the Boiling Isles, because like his castle is nearby. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong, but it's also. Like, there's a lot more guards, and I'm pretty sure this giant statue of him wasn't here before. Yeah, no, the statue is new as well. But, like, yeah, that's why I meant, like, it feels like he's, like, more, like, escalating, like, how much he sends patrols out or something. And so that's what uh... they mean by him taking over. Oh, actually, weird note about the statue. It does include the crack that Luce put in his mask last episode, so I don't know... Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, huh. so it's gotta be super new, but I don't know why he would include that in his yeah. vanity portrait. <laughs> You would think with, like, I guess his meat... Well, I was about to say his meat magic can't make a metal mask, but at the same time, Hunter... Like, oh, sorry, yeah, Golden yeah. Guard uses the same meat magic and makes a sword later on, so mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Something that is a metal sword just made out of meat magic. It's not like it's a flesh weapon, so I don't know. <laughs> also, also, considering all the things we spoil in this show, I don't know why I'm dancing around his actual name. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be saying his actual name uh, two weeks from now anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also a couple of Emperor-themed stores. Uh, Emperor's Knickknacks and my personal favorite store in this show, Emperor's Empanadas. Oh, I missed that too. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the episode that I don't have to take no full notes on and take for the summary, I don't see that stuff apparently. Yeah, no, totally valid. <laughs> So they take their bounties in, but the bounty guy is only going to pay them half a snail for this entire bag of bounties. And that's pretty frankly just 
out of pocket because Garlog by himself was worth 4,000. So I don't know yeah. what else they have in the bag, but it's got to be worth negative value, I guess. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's really just because they're like, well, Lil, uh, Ida can't do anything about it because <laughs> she has no powers and same with Lilith, so screw them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, she gets super mad about this, but he says he's not worried because she doesn't have any powers, but, like, her main thing has always been hitting people with a stick. That didn't yeah. go away. <laughs> no. I mean, unless, like, uh, unless Ida's, like, strength went down to, like, a 10, so she only has a plus zero modifier now. But she's also, she's old. She's probably got, like, a decent proficiency bonus to try to hit somebody with a stick. <laughs> D&D humor. Yeah, so she sort of demands to be feared the way King used to, but her reputation's pretty much ignored these days, and everybody just kind of leaves. Uh, Lilith does have a moment of trying to brag about her name still meaning something, but a janitor just flamethrowers her recruitment poster off the wall <laughs> and just yep. slaps up a whole bunch of Golden Guard posters. Yeah, I, I, I kind of do like the fact that, like, since it's only been, like, a week and a half, they're really still dunking on Lilith a bit because it's like, yeah, it's only been a week and a half. She kind of earns it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Also, I was to say, I also love the, the new shirt. I love the low battery shirt. <laughs> like, she would have no context for what low battery is, but I just like that it's just represented the fact that her powers are green, too. Very fair. Yeah, so, um, Luz asks if Lilith knew the Golden Guard. She says she did, but that he's a teen genius brat and gets special treatment because of it. She doesn't reference him being Bellos' nephew, so I don't know if that's common knowledge, even in the coven. I feel like it's probably not. I think it's more something that Bellows keeps secret. Because, like I said, I think he's full of shit and lying his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's something that isn't gets, doesn't get spread much. Also, because, like, even if it is, like, even if it's, like, legit and he is actually his nephew, that feels like something that, like, the kind of person Bellows is, he would probably keep that secret because he doesn't want somebody to try to, like, go after Hunter to get to him or something. Yep. That's uh, the Golden Guard, especially with whatever plans he has for Golden Guard. <laughs> he totally, who totally is not Hunter. That was definitely not a slip up, people. Nope. <laughs> don't, don't look up the Golden Guard on the Owl House rookie to see uh, Zeno Robinson credits. We'll get to that later, though. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Luz suggests that since that both of her mentor figures are in the in the dumps, depressed, depowered. She says that they should take on the biggest bounty they possibly can as a confidence boost, which maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she goes to check Greg's list, which is a list posted by a guy named Greg. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that it's like a Craigslist joke, because it's just Craigslist instead of Craigslist. Yeah. She finds the, the highest bounty immediately. This is the Silky Domus. It's got a bounty of a million snails on it that Luce wants to go get. And also, I hope you're ready for a list, because I noticed some stuff in here. Alright, <laughs> because I did not write any of those down. <laughs> yeah, so the other posters that are on this board are the Knife Baby, the question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, the Mean Slime, the Snake Eater, the Three-Eyed Toad, the Prize Thief, a part-time babysitter posted by the Bat Queen, which I feel like that one in particular, I did hear that. That 
feels like you're kind of just like pointing out where you are, Bat Queen. I mean, admittedly, Bat Queen probably doesn't know that Bellis is cracking open a cold one with the boys, <laughs> aka Jerkin Palsman. So, I I don't think she knows that, but that also feels like a really bad idea to let people know where you are if you keep all those other cracked talismans safe. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know why she doesn't go back to Ida. It worked for her last time. Yeah. Uh, something called a scratcher. The Great Snake. Uh, I don't love this one. Black Phil. <laughs> yeah. uh, a friend. And you. <laughs> And those are all the bounties. Yeah. Yep. I did see the knife baby one, though. I did see that one <laughs> when I was watching the episode. <laughs> Black Phil on the poster at least appears to be a goat or a ram of some sort, but I still don't love I, that that was what yeah, they called I what, him. I wonder, I wonder if that's a reference to Hercules, because of Phil like, being like the... I guess he's a satyr, right? Mm -hmm. He's like has like that human torso and like the goat legs. So I guess that's what he's supposed to be. Yeah, I, wonder, I really wonder if that might be a reference to him. <laughs> but yeah, so Ida uh, says no, they can't go after the Sulky Domus because it would take too long and they need money fast. So she picks the Abominable Cutie Pie, which is also visible earlier, but I didn't want to highlight it because I'm going to talk about him here. Yeah. Uh, the reward for this guy is 600 and he's just right over there. <laughs> uh, she promises that this is a dangerous job because I guess that's how you get loose on board and loose just chases him right up the bellow statue. At which point I have the note that his voice is basically just an Elmo impersonation. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I guess actually, you know, I think about it. Yeah, that is Elmo, huh? <laughs> he doesn't do the third person speech thing, but other than that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So he just kind of falls into her arms without any kind of fighting or fuss. But Belshazzar... Yeah, he just, he just fully gives up. <laughs> So while she's up there, Luz kind of overhears Ida telling Lilith that things are going poorly and that bounty hunting doesn't pay enough. And like, yeah, absolutely. You got paid 0.0125% of your last bounty. Yes, I did the math on that. <laughs> <laughs> so she admits that they could probably take more dangerous jobs, but they just can't really afford to mess up anymore because she has to spend a lot of money to get Luz food now because... Well, it's hard to find food she can eat here. And thus, no more apple blood today. So good job exploding the last of it. Maybe try levitating other stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely wasn't apple juice you uh, blew up. That was definitely a bottle of apple blood. Yep. Yeah, so we cut back up to Luz, and King is also up on the statue. Now, I guess he just teleported there. <laughs> yeah, he probably just climbed up to hang out with Luz. <laughs> But Luz feels bad about all this, because it's her fault Ida's in this situation, or at least she feels like it. So she decides to help out and prove she's not a burden, and the way she does this is by signing on to a Selkie Domus hunt. Oh, but you skipped over the Zuko reference. Because, <laughs> like, uh, when she's, like, talking to herself upon the statue, the, uh, the, the cutie pie goes ahead and just says, that's rough, buddy. <laughs> just fully making a Zuko reference, <laughs> of all things. Do we know who did the voice? Was it him? I don't think so. Let, let me look it up while you keep talking. Sure thing. So she signs on to a ship that's going after the Selkie Domus. I don't know how she found it, but good job. Um, I guess she's an okay bounty hunter. But it turns out that the yeah, Golden Guard is already just, aboard. Hmm? Yeah, it's probably just like the one that poster probably just says, like, be bored to this dock or something. I guess that's possible. 
But yeah, so the Golden Guard sees her come on board, but she doesn't see him because he's sneaking around. And this is actually a ship owned by the Empire, we learn pretty much immediately. The captain seems to be in on it. Um, he definitely looks at the Golden Guard and nods when Luz comes aboard, so I don't know. But back at the L house, Ida tells Lilith that she had a money-making idea, because even though she's depowered, she can still make potions. So she's made a bunch. One of them she shows off appears to have a rat skull floating in it, and then she leaves to go sell them, while Lilith stays so, behind wallowing in sadness. <laughs> so we do get confirmation here that potions are not magic, because you don't need magical powers to make potions. <laughs> I remember we talked about yep, this, yep. I think, in, like, episode, like, the first day or whatever. And, yeah, I looked it up. Uh, the, the Kitty Pie is voiced by a guy named Matt Chapman. And oh. I think he, like, does a bunch of, he does a bunch of, like, side character voices. He also voices one of, uh, one of, uh, what's it called? Uh, Willow's dad's name, Gilbert. Because we actually uh, found out his name is Gilbert via the credits accidentally crediting him, even though he's not mentioned in, in the show. Kazuko is voiced by Dante Basco. So, yeah, definitely not the same guy. Well, I'm sorry. You just murdered me. <laughs> Sorry. You don't know Matt Chapman, the Homestar Runner? Oh, that's Homestar Runner guy? Oh. Sorry, I didn't I've never really watched like I guess I guess watched is the right way, yeah, for that. I've just never been much of a Homestar Runner fan. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I, I know of Strong Bad because I played Poker Night at the inventory, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, okay. I guess with my dreams crushed, uh, <laughs> uh, this podcast is canceled because I made nobody upset. <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's see. Lilith is basically doing what I've just been doing for the past couple of days, staying home, laying oh, no. on the couch and wallowing in sadness because she's ruined her life. <laughs> and she decides to try and make it up to Ida for, you know, ruining everything. Which she spots a book on potions on Ida's shelf and decides to make a scrying potion to give Ida a look at what the Emperor is up to. Which, yeah, good instinct. I like it. Except then she tears the page out of the book. Yeah, uh, like, why are you ripping the page out? <laughs> she is your host. You are living in her demon. Do not tear <laughs> apart her books. Yeah. I also just really like that, like, if you look closely at the uh, the ingredients for the potion and all, it like, uh, one of the taglines under it just simply says, the cure to FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> like, alright, well, if you ever want to play a gacha game, uh, just read the potion ingredient book, I guess, yeah, and that'll, that'll get rid of that uh, desire to play Pokemon Masters or Genshin Impact, I guess. Nice! Right? <laughs> <laughs> I like Pokemon Masters, I just had to put a lock on it so I can't spend money. <laughs> <laughs> Smart move. But yeah, um, so Hootie sort of interrupts her doing this, and he offers to help because he wants to learn who the enemies have crushes on and give them all cute couple names. He also calls her Lulu for the first time, which he is not happy about. Yeah. I forgot that Hootie like, wants to like, come up with cute couple names, so now that just makes me think, is Hootie ever going to actually say Lumity in the course of the show? <laughs> uh, entirely possible. Yeah, not, not unheard of, especially because, like, even Disney recognizes that as the name. Although, I mean, they did originally call that video Lucity. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? Everybody has agreed it's Lumity. <laughs> I don't know. They fixed it I mean, it later. is Hootie, so there's every possibility that he would call it Amatoos just to annoy people. Uh, Hootie. <laughs> 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 
But yeah, um, so Lilith insists that she can do this alone, and she tells him not to follow because she doesn't need help. But he says, and I'm quoting here, A good friend would respect her wishes, but a better friend would help her anyway. And I don't like it. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like butting in on her business. Like, I, I get, like, his heart's at least a little in the right place, because, like, he's like, yeah, Lilith is, like, the kind of person that would not really ask her help, even when she clearly needs it, <laughs> until it, like, gets really bad. But it's, like, Lilith and, you know, it's, like, a thing I remember I was mentioning with Ida, where it's, like, Ida kept trying to, like, hide that the curse was getting worse. It's, like, if you need help, admit that you need help. Yeah, you're not wrong. I just... We're gonna see Everything as the episode goes on that the moral of this subplot, at least, is basically if your friend tells you they don't need help, follow them around and bother them anyway. <laughs> yeah, fair. Which I don't yeah. love. But yeah, at least they become good friends at the end of the episode, which is like one of the cutest things in season two. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, I love the hoodie and the other friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So back on the ship, uh, Captain Salty warns the crew that the Sulky Domus has been ravaging ships along the coast and is believed to be in the Shimmering Shoals. And he reminds them that if they all pitch in, they all get part of the reward, and throws a big bag of money on the deck. I don't know how he has the money already. They haven't captured the creature, so he shouldn't have the reward, but okay. I think, I guess I read it as, like, he's the one that posted it, so he does have the money? I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, I know. It's... Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't, again, like, I kind of I kind of do read it as, like, he's the one that made the posting, and he's just looking for people to help. That... I guess makes sense. But but he also does use and everybody gets a share, like kind of implying himself too, so I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I, I I do like this poor fish guy that just goes, I have many debts. Yeah. It's like, oh poor fish guy. Well we're gonna learn later that Bellos is the one who specifically told someone to kill the Silky Domus, so I don't know. Yeah. Since this is an Empire ship, maybe he gave him an advance. It's I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, duh. it could be disposed by him, yeah. But yeah, um, so I did skip a scene earlier. I'm not going to go into it in detail, but basically Luce was just monologuing about not being a burden, and Captain Salty uses that really against her to get her to do chores around the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else on the crew is doing jack shit, but Luce is doing everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so the main things that we see her doing are feeding the ship's steam engine, which she's supposed to do with coal, but she just throws a bunch of fireballs in there. Yeah. And also scraping barnacles off the hull, which is not a thing you do while the ship is moving. You gotta dry dock for that. Stop it. Shh, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> I feel like you know more about ships than the people that made the owl house. It's true, I had a pirate face. There's a reason one of my names is Patch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that came from that. It did, yes. Nice. Well, among other things. Uh I I I'm going to have to put a content warning on this episode, too. When, uh -oh. <laughs> when I was 16, I worked at a Boy Scout summer camp for the summer. Oh, and <laughs> one morning, I woke up completely unable to see out of my right eye. Oh, cool. Because oh, I had been bitten by a spider <laughs> <laughs> in the eye while I was asleep. Oh, man, my, my wavelength there is real big. <laughs> That was that was not an overreaction. Like that was not me playing it up. That's that's literally horrifying. Yeah. Like getting like spider bites on like your hand or your foot is hell enough. Getting one in your fucking eyes, Jesus. Yeah. So I mean, it's all taken care of. They got me to a hospital. We 
Got the emergency room, it's all no problem, but I did have to wear an eye patch for a week while my eye was all swollen up and gross looking because yeah. we didn't want to scare the kids. Fair. And so I became Patch. <laughs> did they actually call you Patch, like, during that week? Yeah. <laughs> That's where that came from. <laughs> oh, well, and the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, of course, the reason I had an eye patch on me is because I was going through the pirate phase, so you see how it dovetails together? Okay, fair. <laughs> But hey, at least it wasn't me this time. I kind of made the point of being like, I'm not going to talk about needles as much. Yeah. Because <laughs> I did it twice in a row. It ain't me this time. You're folks. totally right. This is a totally different trigger warning, and it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so pirate face. What was I saying? Uh, oh, yes, and then uh, they also do yeah, a sort yeah. of a sea shanty dance. Uh, the captain... Which is really just, yeah, Lucy's just trying to get, like, uh, some, like, bug thing off of her back. Yeah. <laughs> The captain says that she's made him confront all his biases and that he respects her now, which I think is probably a lie considering what's about to happen, but yeah. there's no way to know for sure. Like, like he, he might be a little honest there. I mean, because, like, I mean, he did, like, hire a teenager and all, <laughs> so it's like, this guy has to have been, like, strapped for people trying to take on this dangerous hunt and all, so he probably did have a little bit of bias against her just because she is so young. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, that might be a little legitimate, even if he's just going to immediately stab her in the back. So, <laughs> I just got to say, I also do like that one of the crew members kind of looks like an inkling with only one eye. Like like that, uh, that like, Cyclops, like, looking, like, uh, squid kind of person. Mm -hmm. it, it Straight up, like, the, I think it's, like, the, uh, not the eyeshadow around the eye, but, like, that kind of design that, like, squid have in between, like, their eyes yeah. on their head and everything that they replicate in the Inklings in Splatoon. I, it, it just made me think of that, and it's like, oh, I like that guy. It's designed for the screen if you have an inkling. So, yeah. Um, King is fighting a bird that's kind of like a parrot, but with a hand instead of a head, because it stole one of his crackers when a large wave hits the boat. And King just rolls right into the captain's cabin. <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt here, too, but, like, I think one of those birds has a little bit of, like, a design of, like, one of the angels from Evangelion. I want to say that's. I think it's like the. I think it's like the eyeball one. Cause there's an eyeball bird, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think that's like supposed to be like a bit of like a reference to one of the angels. I'll have to take your word for it. I'm not familiar. Yeah, I think I read something briefly on that. Okay. But yeah, in the captain's cabin, King just spots a box of Kraken crisps and decides to eat them all. But they're sitting on a letter marked with the Emperor's sigil, so he sort of turns the lights on, and the room is just full of Emperor and Guard masks, replicas, yeah, just, as just... well as sigils of the EC everywhere. Yeah, it's just a ridiculous amount of, like, plaques and stuff mm -hmm. that just has the crest and everything, and it's like, why would they have all this shit on a boat? I get <laughs> that they wanted to be branded with the cup and all, but it's like, why do they have a bunch of this, like, gold shit in here? Yeah, especially the masks, because, like... Maybe have one if you follow the Emperor, but why have three or four of his mask? Uh, yeah. It's, it's just very weird. There's also a skull on the wall that looks kind of like the Emperor's guard masks, but with being an actual skull instead of a mask. So I don't know what that's about, if it's just a coincidence, but I thought it was pretty interesting. I don't know if they're maybe mm. based on something. Yeah, I mean, we did come up with that theory that they might just be, like, automatons that he's just cloning or something, so yeah. who knows? It could just literally be one of their skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he decides that he needs to warn Luce, but immediately gets got by the Golden Guard, which is the main reason I haven't said his real name, it's just because I love the alliteration I can do with it. Um, yeah. 
So back in the woods, Lilith is gathering potion ingredients, and the next thing she needs is fire bee honey. She approaches the hive, and they notice an attack basically immediately, so she runs because she doesn't have magic anymore. She basically just shoots a little ice cube at them and then books it. And she kind of has a breakdown here, wondering who she is without coven, without the coven and without magic, and what kind of person she can be. And Hootie shows up, saying he can help. He does punch out of the ground here, so I guess he's been burrowing this whole way, which yeah. I hate. Hootie <laughs> <laughs> can do what he pleases. <laughs> it's not that I hate that he burrowed exactly. It's that he doesn't have any arms or burrowing implements, which means in order for him to move underground, he's been eating dirt. Or maybe he can spin himself and he's just drilling through the ground mm, with his beak. Maybe. <laughs> But yeah, so she's pretty mad because she told him not to follow her, and he did anyway, and just sort of starts shouting when he tries to offer advice. She really hurts his feelings by calling him a weird bird worm, and says she has to do this alone because she's being all prideful and junk and doesn't know how to be a person anymore. Yeah. Huzzah for trauma. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I just want to ask, did you see the uh, the really great uh, edit of this scene that somebody edited that Sissy Jones liked to retweeted, where it's really trying to sell the fun NFTs? <laughs> no, I don't think <laughs> I did. I'll, I'll have to see if I can show you, that, if I can find that again to show you, because it's great. It's just, it's just like, yeah, a little just being like, no, fuck NFTs, fuck you, or whatever. It's like, if I, like, get into NFTs, I'm just like, uh, like an asshole, so that, and like, ho like, Hootie, sadly, before he, like, goes to the ground, so I was like, you can never create or hate <laughs> or something like that. It's like, it's really good. And like, they really do make it sound like it's like, you know, they got, they got somebody who can like replicate the voice actors a little bit. It's like, it definitely sounds off, but it sounds close enough. <laughs> it's just great. Um, so the ship arrives in the Shimmering Shoals where the Sylvia Domus just immediately attacks them. <laughs> like within seconds of them arriving here. And the, the crew throw spears at it, which do absolutely nothing. And she does a cool... The Silky Domus basically looks like a seal, a gigantic seal with algae on her back. But she can do this cool pufferfish thing where she bloats up and fires spikes all over the place. That's really good. And Luz is able to catch her by using ice glyphs and plant glyphs together to sort of lock down her movement and then tie her up. But before she can reel her in, there's an explosion on the ship, and she breaks free. Uh, there's a figure in the smoke, and Luce sees it jump overboard and realizes that they're being robbed. This figure has taken all the money. So, uh, yeah, this thief just jumps into a little pedal boat that they have. I love the little boat, by the way. It's beautiful. Yeah. We do see the boat come back at least once more. In the very, in uh, episode 3, actually. <laughs> oh, also episode 10, yeah. Nice. It's used in two, two more times, I just remembered. So use, uh, Luce uses a couple of glyphs to pursue the thief, um, making an ice island and a fire propulsion system. And uh, there's a nearby island where the thief has arrived, and Luce kind of hits the thief from behind accidentally because of her propulsion and the money is lost in the ocean. And it is only at this point that it is revealed that it is Ida dressed as a pirate. I love this outfit. It's great. I want yeah, it. <laughs> let, let, let's just admit, pirate, pirate Ida is a hottie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, pirate fashion is kind of a big thing for me. We've talked about this. Pirate face. Uh, yeah, sure. 
<laughs> yeah. And the long vests. I've mentioned those too, so come on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they they yell at each other a little bit because they're both surprised to see each other here. But then the Golden Guard arrives and sort of interrupts them. And he says if they do what he says, they'll live. And when they sort of indicate that they won't, he says he doesn't care since they don't have real magic. Which feels pretty dismissive of Luce's abilities. Uh, yeah, also hypocritical considering, as we'll find out, neither does Ida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ida asks why the bounty on the Selkidomus, because it's a peaceful creature. But uh, the Golden Guard says he's just following orders. The Emperor told him to slay one. It's been a while since I watched this episode. I forgot how spooky the Golden Guard is with his introduction. Because <laughs> like, he just like burst out of the Boiling Sea completely unharmed. Just like kicks their shit in so effortlessly, like, laughs at them, like, makes, like, little, like, snide remarks and everything. Like, he's, like, he's not really taking this seriously enough because he knows they're not as much of a threat to him. Mm -hmm. And then again, like I said, he makes that sword out of meat magic. <laughs> <laughs> while, while also sounding not at all really intimidating because his voice is just, like, you know, he, he's got, like, that Zeno Robinson voice and all, so it's, like, yeah, he's, he definitely doesn't sound like he's, like, uh, like a spooky dude in a mask or anything. He just is like just a guy. <laughs> I don't know. I am way more scared of any teenager than I am of a spooky dude in a mask. Fair. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so basically, his plan is that he wants Luz to stay a sailor to make up for the money she lost. Which, like, no, she didn't do that. But also, yeah, he wants Ida to be arrested again for piracy this time. Uh. They try to fight him, but since it's a new character spotlight, they're just completely ineffective. <laughs> yeah. You know how it goes. You gotta show off how cool your new guy is. Uh -huh. And he uses magic to dangle them over the boiling sea and claims that the steam here is so hot it can give you third degree burns, which is just clearly untrue. They're right over it. If that were a thing, then they would be dead. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like if you're like like if you're standing directly over it like they're like just outside the range i read that as like he's like keeping them just outside the reach of it or something i guess but they're like six inches up steam doesn't lose potency yeah. that fast yeah oh but yeah so he brings them back to land and offers them another alternative uh if one of them kills the silky domus they don't have to do the other stuff so he uses his gross gross meat magic to conjure a sword and if you pause it at just the right moment, it does actually kind of look like a balloon sword. But no, it's definitely... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, l a little bit. It kind of looks like a bit of like a balloon sausage. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is absolutely meat at first, and then it just turns into metal. So I don't know what's up with that. But he threatens to drown King if they refuse, because he's got King in a little cage with a cloth over it. It turns out King is like a parrot and instantly falls asleep if there's a, cl a cloth over his cage. He's like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bird. <laughs> so Luce agrees to do this because she doesn't want King to drown. <laughs> and she takes the sword and heads off into the cave. Uh, in the woods, Lilith is trying to fight a swarm of flaming bees by hitting them with a stick. You can tell she's not good at doing things without magic. Yeah, she definitely has not played Pokemon. <laughs> or, like, fought a bee before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are clearly bug and fire type bees. They're double effective against wood. <laughs> or grass in this case. <laughs> yeah, so it, she realizes pretty quick she can't do this because, you know, and she calls for help. Yuri arrives just immediately, so I don't think he actually left earlier. I think he was just underground again. 
And then it's like off screen, but there's a bunch of punching noises, like the sort of noises you would put in an action movie when somebody gets hit. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm not entirely clear on what's going on here. I would expect Hootie to eat bees since he's got us bug thing, but yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a bug flying type. He's super fucking against other bugs. Yeah. By the way, I have found the Hootie trying to sell the fun NFTs video. Excellent. I had to scroll through the cartoon uh, thread a bit to find it, but I will post it in our chat right here. Nice. (laughs) For you to watch later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, So back in the cave, uh, Ida tells Luz not to hurt the Silky Domus because it's innocent, but she says she has no choice if she wants Ida and King to be free. Um, Ida kind of tries to remind her not to do things alone and quotes our title at her, so that's the third time they've given us free advertising. But uh, Luz refuses. She says that sticking together is the reason Ida lost her magic and almost got petrified and can't afford food now. Um, She specifically references the apple blood, which I kind of skipped over in a way, because I feel like apple blood is pretty low priority given that it appears to be booze, but whatever. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we know Luce is like in the wrong here and all, but I I do have to appreciate that she does take responsibility for her mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So she promises to make it Again, all up to she's Ida. Super wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just sort of jumps into the pit right onto the creature's head. <laughs> uh, she does fight it a little bit, but Ida tackles her straight out of the air and reminds her of the good things Luce has done, and says that her life is pretty good because they met each other. And um. It's a touching moment, and then she just sort of grabs Luz's head and starts shaking her, saying her guilt is clouding her judgment, and that there must be another way out of this. <laughs> so, you know, cure for guilt. Shake their head. Yeah. Uh, there's also a Silky Domus baby in this little cave they're hiding in. Or sub-cave, I guess, because they're already in a cave. And it's just kind of in there, so this gives Luz an idea, and she offers to teach Ida her first glyph, which, like... You promised to teach them a week and a half ago. Jeez, procrastinate much? Yeah, I, I, I think I think they've just been like really busy trying to figure out what they want to do for earning money or something, so that doesn't come up yet. I guess. But why is she Why is she holding the glyph upside down though? <laughs> I don't think it matters very much which side you point up. No, it's it's just amusing because like every time that we've seen like her holding the pieces of paper with them, it's always been like her holding them so this way. You're looking at it right side up, but in this case, she's just holding it upside mm-hmm. down. So back at the mouth of the cave, the Golden Guard is waking King up and then knocking him out again just by raising and lowering a cloth over his cage. And it is honestly kind of cute, but still very messed up to do to somebody. <laughs> yeah. You don't do that to birds just to get them to shut up. You only do that at night till they go to bed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, uh, big shadows on the wall show Ida and Luz fighting the Silky Domus before killing it dead. Very gruesomely, I might add. It's just a shadow, but... There's, like, entrails coming out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Luz comes around the corner dragging something and demands that the Golden Guard free King. He hands him over because he is just not happy about the stink in this place. <laughs> yeah. But you would think you would want to actually, like, see, like, from a distance to make sure that it's dead and not a, a trick. <laughs> I mean, but he doesn't. you're right, but he's also super overconfident and weird right now, so he'll, he'll learn. Yeah. He just hasn't been tricked yet. 
Yeah, so uh, he warns him to stay out of trouble because the Emperor is not a forgiving person and just sort of teleports away. Uh, he does the same bye thing Ida does, which is fun. I don't know if he's just yeah. mocking them or what, but... In the cave, uh, we cut away to reveal that the Selkie Domus was actually a plant construct that was created by a bunch of glyphs. And Ida's just sitting on the floor making light glyphs. I don't know that it's helping very much, but she seems to be having fun uh, with it. I, I... I think the likeliest were used to give like the the shadows of them. This way, you, they didn't see fully that it was like a weird like plant thing. Oh, they like, totally they, were. They, they just at yeah, this point, I think she's just messing around. Yeah, I think she's just having fun, being like, "Yeah, I can do glyphs." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So apparently, the Silky Domus is friendly now because she question mark somehow question mark realized that they weren't a threat. And Ida tells her that she needs to go further out to sea because this area isn't safe anymore. And she nods, so apparently they understand English, before yep. barfing just a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Yeah, this, 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 this is legit icy categories. <laughs> yeah, Ida says that this is the treasure of the sea, and it's called Selkagris, which is apparently crazy valuable at the night market. And that's great, that solves money problems, but it does not explain why Ida starts rubbing it on Luz's face and then throws her in the pile. <laughs> yeah, t telling her to, like, geriate in the, the water monster vomit. <laughs> no, please. Yeah, so I guess they're just not worried about losing any of this incredibly valuable material. <laughs> yeah. Um, back at the Owl House, uh, Lilith apologizes for being mean before us. She treats Hootie's wounds. Um... He definitely does have some stings, but he looks mostly like he got beat up, not stung by bees. So maybe the punching noises from earlier were the bees punching him. I don't know how the bees work. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? They're monster bees. Yeah. On fire. So he apologizes for being so noisy, and I think this is the first time Hootie's apologized, so that's nice. And calls yeah, her his best friend. I'm pretty friend. sure it is. <laughs> and she does claim no comments, but calls him Hootsifer. Which apparently is how you seal friendships in the Boiling Isles, but also, like, bad nickname, though. Try harder. <laughs> uh, the scrying potion finishes up just as Luce and Ida arrive home, but they're not super sure what to do with it. It just kind of shows a bunch of guards standing around guarding, like they do. <laughs> and uh, Lilith says that this proves the guards don't know what to do without her, so go wild pranking and messing with them. Which, okay. Interesting thought. Not really. Yeah. The guards are just on guard duty in the castle where nothing's going on. That doesn't mean they're not doing the same walking around Bonesboro. Exactly. Uh, so Ida asks who wants to get takeout and draw faces on Hootie, but Lilith says she'll protect him. So that's nice. And then we zoom into the potion and through the wall into the portal door room where Bellos places another piece of the portal door in place before turning to the camera and sort of indicating that he knows he's being watched. Except he isn't because they stopped paying attention to the potion. Ha ha, yeah. you got jumped. <laughs> yeah, like, like, he, like he's cast Detect Magic so he can tell that there's a scrying orb nearby, but it's also not being attended to. Yep. <laughs> and that's the episode. Time for credits. Yep. Like, I get that that last I, I... scene was supposed to be intimidating, but it absolutely just makes him look like a dork that he's talking to somebody who's not there. <laughs> yeah. I do have to say, I do like the new outro. Like, I, I kind of do like that it, like, showcases the various struggles of the group. Like, 
I mean, we have, like, the Golden Garf bellowsuming over him, Ida with the Curse, King, like, the hint of King questioning who he really is, and Luce looking at the key and crying, but it's like, it's also, I, I kind of miss the, the little, like, whimsical one of Luce walking through the Boiling Alice location. Yeah, that was really nice. I... Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if they had to, like, dial this one back, because they, like, really revamped the intro. And, you know, maybe they were like, oh, well, it's kind of harder to, like, really animate stuff like that a lot because of COVID and having to do stuff work from home. Well, so, like, I, I wonder if I wonder if this is the thing that kind of had to take a little bit of a hit. This is just a thought, just a, a wild theory. But um, the Star versus the Forces of Evil outro is almost exactly the same as the season one Owl House outro. It's just Star walking through different locations while music plays right. and different creatures mm -hmm. start following her. So maybe they changed it, just differentiated a little bit. Uh, maybe. I thought you were going to say, like, maybe this is, like, a book, like, written in the future of, like, their exploits or something, <laughs> and it's just some scenes from it or something like that. Well, I don't know. That's possible, I guess, but... I just, yeah, because yeah. that was the first thing I noticed about the first season outro was just how similar it is to Stars. Yeah, fair. I've, I've not watched any Star Wars Force of Evil, so I couldn't say to it. But yeah, it, it's interesting to note that it is pretty much the same. Yeah. The biggest difference between the two of them is that in the Star outro, she, like, as she goes to new locations, more and more creatures and monsters from the show start following her. So by the end of it, there's just a whole crowd. Yeah. And okay. that's not a thing in the Owl House one, but... Yeah, like, that's the only difference. <laughs> yeah. Just generally speaking, I do like all, like, the outros of Amphibia. All three of them are so good. I like I like the bit of, like, the first one of Anna and Sprig just, like, hanging out, reading books and everything. <laughs> I, I really like the second one of them just in the wagon, just on the road and everything. And then, like, the third one is just... it's The third one is so weird. <laughs> it's, like, that weird, like, mixture of just, like, them, like, remixing, like, bits of audio. The one point where, like, this different characters saying baby from the bit where they say, Not the baby! When, like, a car or whatever almost hits Polly. <laughs> it's very strange. I just wanted to, like, mention that because I really like those. Yeah. Those, those actors. Very fair. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It's right, episode and, one of season yeah. two. Yeah, it's it's an easy like little easing back into the characters. Like it's like, it kind of sucks to say that this is probably like number ten in like a list of like the first ten episodes of season two. Oh, don't say because that. it's kind of the it, it is kind of the weakest one. I gotta admit because it's like it's it's a nice little like what's up with the characters where we when we leave off kind of deal. <laughs> no, you're definitely but not wrong. So... It's just that we've already yeah, spent but... fifty minutes of it. So if this is the worst one, then like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a massive upswing from here. I mean, we get tons of gay shit in the next one, so of course it's a big upswing. <laughs> Which I guess I should just get into it, because we're already at an hour 15, like you said. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Season 2, Episode 2 is Escaping Expulsion, and... This one begins with a shot of Blight Industries, which is notably has a little, like, message on it that says it's a subsidiary of the Abomination Coven. So, they basically are just a PNC, huh? <laughs> I mean, they are straight up making weapons for people. Well, if they're a subsidiary of the Abomination Co Coven, then that means the Abomination Coven owns them. So, I would think that that was more like they're a, a, a uh, government yeah, researcher, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're still, as the Golden Guard says in the end of this episode, they are kind of like making a private army in a sense. Yeah, but like <laughs> not, Raytheon and Northrop Grumman are independent, you know? <laughs> 
I, I don't know what those they are. They make missiles. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. I was like trying to think of that. I, was, like, I thought that was like a wow thing for some reason based on the names. No, oh, no, no, no. They're huge government okay. defense contractors. They're technically civilians, yeah. but... Yeah. <laughs> Fun. But yeah, uh, they are hosting their annual private sale of their latest weapons, and we are finally properly introduced to Amity's parents of Odalia and Elder Blight, and it's not long until we learn that she's a member of the Oracle Coven while he handles all the abomination stuff. Uh, they just they, like, introduced their latest like weapon, the Abomaton, which this thing really just looks like Thanos, I'm just going to say, especially the 2.0, it just looks like Thanos a bit. <laughs> And uh, they have Amity participate in the exhibition of its capabilities from everyday household chores, giving haircuts, and most importantly for them, private defense. Odelia uses her oracle magic via her uh, necklace that kind of looks like Amity's to communicate with her telepathically to tell her to put on a good show to make amends for her lackluster school performance, which, uh, if you'll remember from Understanding Willow, Amity's had this necklace since she was like, let's say, six years old. Mm -hmm. So she's had it for like the last eight years and has been like being berated and controlled by her mom telepathically for that long. That's super fucked up. She's also been the top student, so like... Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, part of that is probably just being pressured to work hard and everything and not being given a moment's peace by her, but it's like, that's still fucked no, up. No, you're not wrong. I just mean like, yeah. what possible issue could her parents have with her grades if she's doing the best in the school? Yeah, I don't know. Dahlia Blight sucks. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Amity pretends to be fully restrained by the Abomaton when it like grabs her and everything, saying it's in a very deadpan voice that it's undefeatable. No, nothing could do. Nobody could do anything about it. But at that moment, her gromfoot of herself loose gust of willow falls out of her short sleeve, which I have to ask: Why is Amity casually carrying this around if it's a precious memory? of the day that she got the dance of her crush. <laughs> and also, why is it in her sleeve? <laughs> uh, I mean, those uniforms like, don't have gonna... a lot of pockets. I guess, but it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Fine. Fine. We've established that like people can have like bags of holding in their hair. I'm sure Amity can find, like, she she's wealthy enough. She can buy a bag that can store a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah, it falls down and drifts over to the Abomaton, and it's about to be stepped on, so she easily just breaks out of, its out of its grasp and tows it apart with, like, one little spell just to save the photo. <laughs> uh, the audience, like, leaves unimpressed, and Odalia tries to save face by calling it a test run and to expect the real deal next week, and then she turns on Amity, saying it co she cost him a lot of money and, like, what could distract her that much, but, of course, at that point, she spies the Grom photo, and... Uh, very ominously says that Ojora has been getting distracted, and it's like, okay, yeah, just this fucker. <laughs> yeah, but after after the intro, we cut to the Owl House where Luce is teaching both Claude's own sisters glyph magic. It's so like a little like magic boot camp, noting that it's day three of the lesson. So at least he's actually been at it for a bit. Yeah, totally. I feel uh, like she could yeah. do her scheduling better though. Like this is not the first yeah, time she... that she has done or had something set up directly before class starts. You know. Yeah, she was doing homework with Lilo and Gus right before I had to go off to school one time in season one. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she's probably busy between that and, like, school and trying to figure out how to get back home, so she's probably just fitting it where she could. Uh, I very much like that Lilith is just a total dork and likes Luce's show showmanship when she's showing up the glyphs and everything in front of, like, the blackboard she has. And Eden, meanwhile, is just distractedly scratching something into her desk and not paying attention. 
uh, Luce mentions that she hasn't found any glyphs before beyond the other four that she has, so she's instead going to teach them about how to manipulate existing glyphs to be more specific. Uh, like, Lilith just shows off her work immediately, being like, this teacher, did I do this right? And is stoked when she gets confirmation that she did. Whereas Ida is trying to, like, scratch fire and ice glyphs overlaid on each other on her desk to see if they, like, combine. But it just explodes a bit and fizzles out. Yeah, somehow I'm uh, not shocked that Ida's the one who carves things into her desk with a pocket knife. Oh, yeah, no, she she definitely would be defacing as much property property as we saw with her having, like, ridden all over the, the lockers of Hexide with, like, permanent magic ink or whatever. <laughs> Sentient yeah. magic ink? Yeah. Uh, Luz stresses that Ida should master the basics before being carved off the school by Hootie, who basically just, like, stretches out to, like, be a bus for her or whatever, and it just carts her off, <laughs> just on his head. Uh, Ida immediately tries to go screw around with figuring out more combos now that teacher's gone. But Lilith stresses that, uh, as she also refers to Luce directly as teacher and not just Luce, said that they should cover the basics and shows off how much of an absolute dork she is by just having flashcards at the key points. And it's like, you don't nearly need flashcards, Lilith. It's the day three of the class and everything, and like, Ida was there. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you, you don't need those. Uh... Yep. Uh, when Luz gets back to Hexide, she mentions that she hasn't been back since the petrification, so like it's been probably at this point like maybe like close to two weeks, I would guess, based on the fact that the previous episode was a week and a half, and it's been like essentially like three days since she started teaching them the glyphs, so pretty much exactly two weeks. Uh, and she finds that Gus has hit witch puberty to be much taller, have a deeper voice, and a new haircut. Which, again, considering it's only been like two weeks since you last saw him, uh, which purity sounds pretty great. Give me some of that instead well, of having to jab myself with a needle every week. So the question here is, it's been two weeks since the Petrification Day ceremony, but has she been to school in that time? I mean, for all we know, she saw him no, yesterday. No, she mentioned that it's the first time she's been back. Like, oh, she's okay. like outside I missed that. She meant, she meant, yeah, she does straight up say like she hasn't been back since the Petrification Ceremony. Okay. Which was like, I mean, the same day as when they like went to Hexide to go on the field trip. Gotcha. So it's like, yeah, so yeah, she just hasn't been back since. Probably to just like, like let things die down a bit. Okay. So the reason this was yeah. on my mind is I mentioned that I started watching The Proud Family earlier. The very, mm -hmm. very first scene of the new series is the character asleep in bed, covered by blankets, and then a mysterious glowing light fills the room, and when she wakes up, she's gone through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> and this is again yeah. again sounds pretty great considering having you know compared to having to take like pills uh for 15 months and injections for the last mm -hmm. few weeks yeah i'd rather get that done overnight that's how they justify having the new designs for the new series but like it's also a major <laughs> plot point <laughs> yeah just a bit goofy but yes, uh, after thanking Willow and Gus for helping to save Ida, which, like, I guess they really only, like, riled up the crowd. They didn't do a whole lot, but, you know, they still contributed a bit. Uh, Amity comes round by to say welcome back to Luce and blushes as she offers Luce a fairy pie to celebrate, which is still made with living fairies in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, yeah. At that point, the, the PA system turns on with Odalia's voice demanding that all four of them report to Bump's office, saying that she also has to write the barge in as a member of the Parent Creature Association, which sounds a little bit not great, because it's like, you, you probably shouldn't refer to, like, people that aren't, like, you know, just humanoids as creatures, maybe, but I guess that's the best to kick them up with. I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's obviously a, a reference, like a joke on like the PTA, the Parent Teacher Association kind of deal. Uh, yeah, at the principal's office, she just reads off all the disasters responsible by the group. Really, just loose. It's really, it's really not Amity's responsibility on any of it, nor really Gus or Willow, except like the detention destruction, I guess, because Gus was involved. But she says that the students as a whole have endangered, like. You know, well, the students at the school have basically been endangered by these events, especially like the fact that Grom almost escaped and everything, and that the PCA has decided to expel Loose Gus and Willow as to deal with that. Amity's about to say something, but Odalia uses her necklace again to telepathically tell her that a blight always upholds their end of the deal, which I definitely have seen people equate this to like the uh, Game of Thrones thing of the Lannister phrase, like unofficial phrase being that they always hold hold their debts kind of right. deal. Yeah, it's but yeah, a little more like, weird and manipulative, though. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, yes, again, as we have established and will continue to, Odalia Blight is a fucker. <laughs> she sucks. Like, the Lannisters yeah, always uh, pay their debts is a lot more monetary, and this is, um... Yeah. I don't know. This, this is, is just a way to yeah, be this, awful to your children. <laughs> yeah, this is just being incredibly petty and controlling. But yeah, like, this little bit just makes Amity, like, not continue with what you was about to say and look away dejectedly a bit. Uh, Bump admits that he has no say in the decision because I guess the PCA overrules the principal. I'm not sure why, but whatever. My only thought uh, here is that, because you remember how desperate he was for money last season. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess he's, like, thinking, like, if, yeah, I guess he's, like, if they stake around, they're just gonna cause more, like, disasters or something and make us hemorrhage more funds or something. Well, no, I mean, a parent-teachers association is usually pretty responsible for bringing funds into the school through rich donors or whatever. Oh, so, I see. since the Emperor's Inspector never showed up and didn't give him money, <laughs> if the Blights yeah, are threatening fair. to pull their funding, they might just have to close down the school. <laughs> right is also not great for everybody else involved. I mean, the Bumps credit, at least, he does have a sad look on his face when he decides he has to let them go. Yeah. So it's like, he, he doesn't feel great about it. <laughs> uh, hey, those uh, trouble-sniffing demons are back. <laughs> <laughs> like, we haven't seen them a bit. But yeah, they, they just grab the kids and, like, drag them out of the uh, office. And as they're, like, being dragged out, Luce does call after Amity, who sadly just kind of barely looks over her shoulder at them. She doesn't turn <laughs> around fully. It's, it's a bummer of a time. I did. This isn't so much of a bummer, but I did notice that Alador seemed really fascinated by Bump's demon hat thing. Yeah, this this is the first time that we do see his like weird demon hat thing actually twitch, which does imply it's alive, which, you know, we'll find out in four episodes time, it's his talisman. So, yeah, it, it was always like a case of like, yeah, like nobody was really sure what that was considering it just sat on his head. But I, I think some people actually did have a fan theory that it was his talisman. It's just like, hey, it's at least neat to see that it actually came through. Yeah. Uh, when they're outside, Gus and Willow take the news really hard and act super dramatic with Gus saying he'll have to learn to live off the land and try to eat a leaf but can't do it. And Willow's like hugging a tree, saying goodbye and saying that she'll water it one last time for tears. <laughs> like, I, 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 I know that like obviously they're teenagers so they're acting like if anything bad happens the world is ending, but it's like, it's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I'll be, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. it's a bit groovy. Uh, Lucy's Blight's leaving at that point and calls Adelia out on her BS and says, like, uh, she just responds that she's just really only teaching Amity a lesson. Mm -hmm. Uh, when Lou says that them being expelled wouldn't stop them from being friends with Amity, Adelia at least does present her with her card, 
saying that if Luce is interested in discussing the matter with them, she can come by. So I guess, like, again, she's an asshole, but like, at least she's, like, again, as we'll find out, she has, like, bad reasoning and ulterior motives for this, but at least she's, like, kind of sensibly at this point. It seems like she's willing to actually discuss things, like, in the whole, like, adult kind of way. Yeah, I don't... Just, like, forcing children into unfair negotiations isn't discussing things. No. Yeah, no. It's not great. But it's, like, at least, like, she has the veneer of being reasonable. Of course, we'll find out. No. (laughs) She just sucks. Yeah. Continuing on, uh, Gus and Willow just, like, dismiss her offer and don't want anything to do with bargaining. And are just like, yeah, we'll get in our own way. But... Weirdly enough, we haven't had one of these in a while, but we have like one of those kind of like weird cuts to Ida trying to make a card glyph of uh, a card pyramid of glyphs, thinking that I guess this will be a way to like try to stack them on top of each other because it's not just drawing them on top of each other, just putting them in a big pile, but it also just fizzles out. Which honestly, like, good. Activating that many yeah. light glyphs at once would be a disaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. She compares the different glyphs with different liquids in bile sacs and wonders why her way of smushing them together doesn't work when they do in biology. And King states that there must be a different way to combine them as they're symbols from the aisles rather than gross liquids. Uh, they then peer outside and see Lilith's progress, where Hootie's just hanging out with her. And again, I really like this scene because it's like, yeah, it's just continuing on their like friendship and everything. Because like, she's made Hootie an ice crown. She, like, puts two glyphs together to make popsicles for both of them, which I don't know if those popsicles have flavor because they're just ice, <laughs> but whatever. And then uh, she makes also a large ice sculpture for Bestie, which I have in my notes later on. I just like this stupid little twirl that she does as she goes <laughs> to tap the glyph. It's like one of those things, like, when uh, in Adventures in the Elements, when, like, Luce runs into the kitchen chatting Ida, 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 and she does this, like, little spin doing <laughs> it, and then falls over. It just reminds me of that a lot, of, like, she started to actually, like, have some of Luce rub off on her after just over, only two weeks. <laughs> but yeah, Ida sees this, and she's just, like, pissed off, because she just refuses to practice the basics and just wants to, like, get powerful right away. <laughs> but we go back to Hexide, where the kids are trying multiple things to change Bump's mind. I'm just gonna kind of gloss over it. It's just a series of them yeah. doing stupid kid shit trying to sneak Just in. a montage uh, of hijinks. Yeah, just a little bit of hijinks of them trying to, like, pretend to be teachers and everything through illusions. It all fails, obviously. And, again, to his credit, Bump does cry a bit and says that it's so boring for the three of them. Again, good guy Bump. Bump, uh, Bump had some, like, rocky points in Season 1, but at least, like, I don't think he actually really shows up in Season 2, at least, like, the rest of Season 2A after this episode, now that I think about it. So at least, like, even though I think we only see him in this episode, at least we get, like, a little bit of him being a good guy. <laughs> at the very uh, least, yeah. missing his back kids. In... Yeah. Uh, back outside, Gus and Willow have those, like, Raven phone things show up, and assist their parents, like, calling to ground them and pick them up and fly them back home. <laughs> Which, those birds must be really powerful to do that. And uh, at that point, when Luce is, like, done seeing them, like, just be taken off, she sees Amity struggling to carry a lot of books to make up for her last coursework, I guess. Which I don't know why it is that they're, like, Amity's, like, missed classes, because it's, like, she hasn't missed classes. I don't know really what she's, like, doing to make up for lost time, because, like, she does her homework and all. So, I don't know. Uh, they talk a bit about how much of a fucking B Odalia is, <laughs> and how it's obvious that Amity's afraid of her. But that Luce isn't and wants to talk to her to try to sort this out and fix it. Mostly for Willow and Gus's sake. Uh, Emily just responds that Luce doesn't have to do that. 
and unfortunately really just can't help her because like she just can't bring herself to do it. But at that point, Luce finds this card from earlier that I didn't mention it, but like Gus had like grabbed it in his mouth and like mockingly like kind of chewed it and spat it out. <laughs> but she finds it and picks it back up. Uh, back at the house, Ida tries the, what she calls a super glyph, which is just all four glyphs layered on top of each other because two worked out so well earlier. <laughs> but this just kind of bursts into like a weird icy slime looking thing that just keeps growing at a really fast rate. Looks like snob. <laughs> Thank again, you very much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, yeah, another one of those things that's just like setting up for like another scene. It's it's a very short scene because like from there we just go back to Luce showing up at Blight Manor. Who's emailing me now? Ooh, email. Oh, we oh fuck, we actually got an email in us weirdos guys live here, folks. <laughs> Finally, an email sent to us. Uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Giving us live. All uh, right. Uh, yeah, she shows up at like Blight Manor and. I like that she just, like, takes a bunch of flowers from the front yard to present to them. It's a very funny move where she just, like, thinks of that on the spur of the moment and just takes flowers from their garden. <laughs> but, uh, she's, yeah, she's escorted in by an abomination servant that when Luce is about to, like, before she goes into the lab, she tries, tries to make its face look like a cat and it kind of just, like, slumps back over <laughs> and is like, eh, I tried my best. It's, a, it's just another Luce thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eldor is working on the Obama Town upgrades and all, and Odali's just sitting there drinking tea, but presents Luce with a deal of helping them like exhibit their latest weapons, because Amity usually would do that, but she's busy with extra schoolwork. And in exchange, they would let them all back into Hexide. We then immediately just smash cut to that night where like Luce is just on stage getting just repeatedly fucking blasted with a bunch of good <laughs> weapons. Like from like a I definitely call it a sticky launcher, but it also also definitely just has a flamethrower option on it, so it's like, that's not a sticky launcher anymore, that's just a lethal one. Yeah, we're learning that there's a lot of flamethrowers in the Boiling Isles. Yeah, it turns out. Uh, we also just cut to Amity returning home to find a note explaining that she's not needed anymore because they found a backup. And she immediately like tries to ask the the abomination butler if whoever else came back to the house, and immediately sees that it looks a little bit still like a cat, and just immediately knows what's going on. <laughs> just like yeah, of course it's really loose. She does this. Uh, meanwhile, Willow is being homeschooled by her dads, who say they're quitting their jobs to teach her, which a bit extreme, but hey, good guy park dads, I guess. They're, they're they seem like they're decent guys. Unfortunately, we never like see them at all yeah. again for that the rest of the first half of season two i really do hope that there's like at least like another scene of them because like they seem like they're good guys i, I kind of want to get to know more about her dad they're trying they really like, are but i just can't help but feel yeah. like maybe one of them should keep his job so the other one could homeschool <laughs> yeah a little bit uh yeah but yeah they close the door with like after giving her her books and all and at that point like gus contacts her with an illusion and like one of her dads i don't Again, I don't remember which one is Gilbert. I just know that he's credited. I think this might be Gilbert. I think I think this the dad that opens up is Gilbert. I'm not sure, but I think so. But yeah, he sees her talking to the illusion and Gus and like decides to keep her secret, like being like, yeah, I get it. Like go hang go hang out with your friends. But yeah, good good. Her again. Her dads are good. Uh, she opens up the window and sees Gus and Amity there, saying that Luce is in trouble. And I just like the fact that even Gus at this point is kind of fed up with Luce's shit a little bit, where he's just like, "Yeah, it's like again, she's in trouble again." <laughs> of course. Uh, they they run over to Blight Manor and are discussing how to sneak into the sale. 
and I really do like that somehow both Gus and Willow know about cartoons from the 40s. <laughs> I guess Luce has told them about them, but I'm also not sure how Luce knows them. Uh, but yeah, uh, and then I'm there because, like, I didn't mention them at the top of the episode, but they were the ones that were, like, standing around, like, at the entrance, I guess. Like, I guess verifying people for their say hole while putting some, uh, like, hex me signs <laughs> on some people. Um, and they offer to just get them close so they can just walk in the door, but, if, you know, just as long as they don't tell Odalia that they helped them out. But not before uh, Ed tries to also prank them with the same hex me signs, but Amity immediately just expected it and just ripped him off and throws him in his face and says, does the whole, like, watching you with, like, the hand gesture at her eyes towards his. <laughs> Which, I, I really like that Amity face. <laughs> just her being like, yeah, I ain't fully fucking forgiven you for almost getting me killed back in episode 7. <laughs> uh, Ari, knowing about old cartoons, like, obviously everyone's upbringing is different, but... When I was a kid, I uh, lived in Germany for a while because my parents were over there. You know how it is. And uh, mm -hmm. we didn't have any TV in English for the most part. But every Sunday, we would go to this thing. It was the officer's club at the local Air Force base where they would have a brunch. And at that brunch, they had a, an old school big screen TV. You know, the kind that weighs half a ton. And yeah. they would just play, like, old 1945 Looney Tunes. So that was my experience <laughs> with cartoons for, like, the first six years of my uh, life. So it's very possible to me that Luce could have had a similar situation since she seems to have a single parent, maybe just dumped in daycare. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, it also is, like, Luce is very much, like, aware of, like, the internet and everything concerning she, like, edits anime videos to music and stuff, so, like, <laughs> She probably has actually just seen some of that stuff just on the internet by accident. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, continuing on, uh, inside, the three of them find Luce facing uh, just a regular abomination with a fucking laser crossbow. It's the only way I can really describe this. It looks like just a regular crossbow, but definitely fires like bolts like Chewie's bolt caster from Star <laughs> Wars. <laughs> Uh, yeah, at, at some point, like, I don't know if this is the abomination that does it, but, like, one of those, like, big abomination fists just, like, kind of, like, punches loose into the air from below and grabs her, and, like, the abomination's about, or abomination's about to, like, just fire her, the crossbow to kill her, but Odalia calls it off, just demonstrating that, like, yeah, we make crossbows even better, fuckers. <laughs> Uh, and then she announces that they have one last product, which, of course, is the abomination 2.0, which looks even more like Thanos. Uh... Ebony sees him and just immediately, like, runs up, like, starts climbing up a ladder to help from above, and Custom Willow is just immediately caught, so, sorry, Willow, maybe again, one day you'll get to do something in season two, <laughs> but not yet. Uh, Odelia declares that the new Abomaton doesn't stop till its enemy is completely eliminated, and it just really just starts trying to fully kill Luce. Like, it keeps turning its arms into, like, stuff like scythes and maces and stuff, and just keep trying to, like, kill her. Yeah, <laughs> so since Odalia knows this thing won't stop until it's destroyed its target, was this a murder attempt? Was she just trying to get rid of Luce? Yes, <laughs> yes she was trying to murder a child. <laughs> She, she is here for one purpose, and that's the only reason she made the deal, because it's like, she definitely wants to get rid of Luce. <laughs> uh, just wait till she finds out that her daughter is dating her. <laughs> I feel like Amity probably hasn't told her that yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I do have to say, like, even though we did see, like, Alador kind of, like, go along with Adalia saying that she couldn't be friends with Willow back in the flashback scene... He at least does come to Luce's events here by saying that the point has been made that the Abomaton is strong and that the crowd is really cheering it on and loves it, but she just fully refuses to call it off. 
uh, it then tosses Zeus into the rafters, which I, I definitely, I always do like this bit of her just being like, it can't get me up here, and then it jumps up at me, and, he, and she just goes, Lucy fool! <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's a very funny bit. Uh, and again, also to Lucy's credit, she does kind of hold her own against her, or at least hold it off, even if she's really not able to do much damage. Well, it. that's true, but, but she also doesn't really seem like she's operating at full capacity here. I mean, no, she is literally, like, tr this thing is really trying to kill her, so she is not, like, she's just thinking of what she can do to just try to get away from it rather than really trying to, like, fight it proper. Yeah, like, we've seen her be way more combat effective than this. It's almost like everybody got yeah. nerfed for the new season. <laughs> uh, I mean, she also doesn't have Albert here, so she doesn't have the option to, like, fly around and stuff. Or use her glyphs remotely. So, like, she is literally on her own, basically. Yeah, true, the but, like, compare the Grom fight to this... She didn't have Albert yeah, then either. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, fair. But yeah, uh, at one point, like, she uses just, like, a vine to, like, swing around to, like, basically this is, like, you get an angle in and, like, try to throw a fireball at it as it, like, shoots a laser at her and, like, the... Of course, it does the anime thing of it collides in midair and it causes an explosion, causes the Abomaton to, like, fall to the ground and, like, hit, like, destroy some of the planks. But she's, like, able to just, like, dangle from a vine, but then it's immediately just grabbed by it. But, yeah, it turns one of its arms into the goop scythe again, and just as it's about to kill her, of course, like, some abomination magic stops it and blows up the arms. Because, of course, it's Davity revealing herself with a very dramatic, like, unveiling of her cape, and the very gr gay line of stay away from my loose. Yeah, nobody comments on this, and I don't know why. No. <laughs> Nobody does. I guess Luz technically does because of like her blush as soon as like she sees that Emily looks awful. <laughs> Actually, sorry. Let me correct that statement. No one comments on this. I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, and so do I. Uh, we quickly just cut back to the house where Lilith hears a bunch of like booms inside and like asks through the door if it's you know fully normal and Edith's like oh yeah no everything's cool in here and meanwhile like the super glyph is just like pushing it up against the wall and Edith's just there with a giant mace trying to hold it back saying that it she's its mother and therefore it should not attack her but after it just sucks in king she finally admits defeat and calls a little <laughs> bit help I really do like the fact that Lilith just kicks the door open in a very stupid... Like, she has, like, her super, like, wide stance of, like, her legs spread out and her <laughs> arms, like, off to her side. It's a very goofy pose for Lilith. But also, does this hurt Ludi? Ludi, because she technically kicks <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, she, she, she's there, and, like, yeah, when, after she sees what's going on, she, like, unfurls a little bit of, like, paper and everything and said that she has an experiment of her own that she wants to try out to see if she can figure this out with like left combos and whatnot but we just immediately cut right back over to amity kicking ass and everything like she she slides down some like destroyed wiring to stand between loose and the bomb of uh, the abomaton just fully like ask her she's okay and everything <laughs> oh wait no no i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself uh odalia tries to grill her via oracle magic but amity finally just pops off rips the necklace off and just smashes it in between like a few fingers <laughs> it's it's this is the thing that I see, like, some fan artists, like, uh, I mentioned S, I think, back in, like, episode two, as, like, one of the artists and everything. There definitely has been, like, bits of people, like, making fun about just Amity's grip strength. <laughs> well, she is an athlete. <laughs> like, yeah, she isn't, she is a former jock and all, but it's, like, yeah, it's it's just very funny. Because, like, this thing looks like it's, like, a crystal or some sort, or at least glass. And, but she just fully just breaks it in her fucking hand and crushes it. <laughs> But yeah, at that point, she asks Lisa if she's okay, like, looking over her shoulder at her. 
And this is just when Luce responds, but very smitten, uh-huh, with a full blush on her, like, cheeks and everything. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like at this point, like, even if Luce isn't aware that Amity likes her, she's definitely fallen for Amity at this, considering that she's, she's having, she's living out the whole, like, anime, uh, fan, like, uh, fan thing that she's wanted her entire life of having somebody come to her rescue is like that. <laughs> Not just somebody, yeah, but uh, a cool and powerful witch. Yeah, a, a witch girl of all things. But yeah, she she then sees that the Abama town is like reforming its arms and tell her to watch out. Uh, Amity redoubles her spells to restrain it and hold it back, while also telling her shitty mom that it's time for her to listen to her for once, and just says that her friends make her think about the per- sort of person she was always meant to be, rather than tr- the kind of person that they've been forcing her to be. Uh, Luz then gets up with the, like lifts out and everything, and they do the back the classic back to back like badasses pose. And, of course, the two of them, like, kind of, like, see each other at the corner of their eyes, and both of them just blush again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, like, quickly looks away, and Luz covers her face a bit for cards and everything. It's very adorable. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Odali then, like, basically, like, t- like, just shouts, what do you want, and all, and Amity just immediately demands that her friends be let back into Hexhead, or else she wrote the Abomaton apart bit by bit. I also like the little aside that Luz does, just asking her really quickly in a whisper, like, can you really do that? And Amity just tries to shush her. <laughs> Probably can't fully, but she can at least, like, disable it for a bit. Uh, the crowd is just fully booing at this point, considering that, like, a teenager is at least holding her own against it. So Dahlia caves in, saying it's a deal, and they just stop. So Amity cancels her spell, and the two pretend to be crusty by the Abomaton. <laughs> this bit I was always a bit curious about, because it's like, I don't know if this is, like, Amity subtly, like, making its, like, hammer arm, like, be hollow so it doesn't hurt them, or if it's, uh, the Abomaton itself doing it, based on Odalia's commands, or even if it might be Alador. It's, it's kind of not elaborated yeah. on, but it, yeah, because, like, when it, when it pulls back its hammer arm, you definitely do see, like, it has, like, an indent in it, so it didn't hurt them. But yeah, we never find out. I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, you know, the crowd's cheering and everything, and, like, the kids get up to walk away and all, but Odalia tries to just, like, immediately pull back on her deal. And again, to his credit, Alador does hold her out, like, to it and calls her out on it, saying that, like, you know, gotta think for the good of the family long-term, because Amity's getting stronger, possibly even enough to be a covenhead. So she agrees, thinking that it's like, yeah, it's for the family's best interest for her to, I guess, be friends with these idiots, because they make her stronger. Yeah. That's uh, an yeah. interesting thought, but yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of get the sense that Alador is also pretty badly abused in this relationship, and just yeah, holding he, on to whatever definitely... little ways he can protect his kids, he can. Yeah, he he kind of does read a bit like he kind of just goes along with it because it's just impossible to even convince Odalia to not be an asshole exactly, or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of wish that we get a little bit more elaboration on their sort of relationship, because, like, again, like, after this episode, we haven't seen them at all in the rest of Season mm-hmm. 2A, so, like, I kind of expect that we'd probably see them at least once yeah. more, and maybe get a little bit more of that. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's a good dad or anything, I just feel like he's a victim no, also. yeah, he, he's, he's still rolling over to let his shitty wife do stuff and hurt her family and all. But he's definitely, he doesn't seem like he's unsalvageable is the thing. Well, it's not even that he's unsalvageable. I just, I, for whatever reason, I get the very strong sense off of them that he is also a victim of his wife's bullying, basically. Yeah, yeah, like she basically just controls the entire relationship and family and all, and he just kind of goes along exactly. with it. Yeah. But yeah, 
after that, we uh, go back and rejoin Ida, King, and Lilith in already in the aftermath of like the super glyph they dealt with. And Lilith explains via a flashback that Ida was technically correct at the glyph command magic, but they work like words rather than whatever Ida was trying to do. <laughs> Ida's layering of the glyphs kind of blended words together and confused the magic. And Lilith's trademark glyph combo, you, you can't steal, it's hers. <laughs> She, she trademarked it. She, she put it in, a, in an envelope and mailed it to herself. That's how trademark works, I think. And uh, I think that's the giant bomb joke of all things. I think that's why I remember that's hearing it. That's a writing technique. Uh, that's how you make sure that uh, agents don't steal your work because you mail it to yourself in a sealed envelope so it's got a date stamp. So Okay, so I guess there is actually a little bit of credence yeah, that, that way you can prove that if somebody else tries to use your work, you've got it here sealed on a specific date, so... You can say it's absolutely ah. yours. The post office proves it. Okay, yeah. Cool. It wasn't just a joke Jeff Gerstmann made at one point, then. <laughs> well, it's a little bit right. of a joke. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But yeah, uh, Lilith shows that her, like, glyph combo basically combines the spells, like, basically making a sentence, more or less, to essentially cast virtually any spell you can think of as long as you can figure out the combo. At this, uh, King is just there with, like, you know, a blanket around him with, like, a cup of, like, some warm drink trying to warm up Yeah, this up is again. where the 30-40 mug comes back. This is what he's drinking out of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he theorizes that maybe the reason Lucius hasn't found any new glyphs besides the forest she knows is simply because there aren't anymore, because, like, she just need to find ways to combine those. At that point, Luce returns, saying she's, like, really tired and just wants to go to bed, but she kind of gets interrupted by the sisters wanting to show off their progress, which... It's more Lilith, because Lilith wants to show her the little, like, ice sculpture she made of herself. <laughs> like, fully bowing and praising a dignified-looking loose as the teacher and all. <laughs> well, either this shows that she learned how to command the spells to make an ice ball instead of the usual pillar. So, Luce is, like, I, I feel like this, I read this as a little bit like Luce is tired, but also at least suitably impressed, because she just gives extra credit to both of them. Which, Lilith immediately, like, holds up to her cheek and just rubs it. She's, she's like... She, she needs the validation at this point. She's also a little more subservient here. Because, like, at the beginning yeah. of the episode, she was just calling Luce teacher, but now she's Miss Teacher. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Lilith is a dork. I, I, I do, again, I like how, every, like, so many people going into the season finale did not like Lilith, especially when they found out that she cursed Ida. And meanwhile, this episode, I think in particular, made people love Lilith. <laughs> Because she's just a huge nerd. <laughs> she's such a teacher's pet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the final scene, we actually come back to the auction where, like, uh, Alador is, like, trying to fix up the Abomatown a little bit and doing some maintenance on it, while Adalia says it was a success. And the Golden Guard shows uh, basically applauding the Abomatons and also saying it's a pity nobody else will actually buy them because the Emperor is just buying the entire stock and will fund their continued development. But he also leaves with a veiled threat to the Blight that Bellus does not take kindly to people making their own private armies. <laughs> so, yeah, don't try any shit, I guess. Yeah, but also, like, I don't know why this is such a big deal. Because mm -hmm. to the Emperor's Coven specifically, the Abominations, or the Abomatons are not a threat. Amity already demonstrated that yeah. anybody who can do Abomination magic can take them down, no problem. And since the EC can do all magic, it's like... Yeah, and, like, Am Amity's just a teenager, but, like, she is top student, so it's, like, she wasn't able to, like, defeat it, but she definitely could hold it back long enough. So it's, like, yeah, it's, I think it's really more just as a precautionary measure and also just to have some, like, free soldiers, basically. Yeah, you're not wrong, I just, 
I don't know. My evil overlord brain says, let the people buy a private army that they think will protect them, but is actually ineffective against my minions. Mm, fair. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, that's episode, uh, season two, episode two. It's it's a big one. <laughs> it's it's only getting bigger from here. Yep. <laughs> yep. I just have a few other notes about stuff I didn't bring up already. Uh, again, we acknowledge that Aldalia Blight is a piece of shit, but... Not gonna lie, she's kind of thick as hell. Let's be real. <laughs> okay. She, look. I can't say I Don't noticed touch. that. Uh, okay, whatever. This is what being ace does to you. Yeah, uh, from where I left off there, uh, again, didn't mention it, but King obviously makes a Spider-Man reference about power and responsibility. <laughs> just a minor thing, it's pretty obvious. Uh... I also just have a just a little note here I took down of like, why would Luz actually continue attending Hexite after losing the portal door? Because I would think that she would be spending all of her free time ever teaching Ida and Lilith about glyphs to help protect the group, or researching ways back home rather than spending like six to seven hours at school. Yeah. I guess I guess maybe her train of thought is she might learn something useful at least, or like at least learn more like ideas for her glyphs and all. It still is a big time commitment compared to what she's trying to do. Yeah, you're not wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she's a teenager, so I guess she's like, well, if I'm going to be stuck in the demon realm a little bit longer, I should at least attend some school, even though I doubt she learns math there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we saw before that the tracks were, like, extremely hyper-specified, but I don't know what yeah. you actually do learn at Hexside. Yeah, there there might be like a general education sort of class where you at least learn like reading and writing and math and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. a history of the Boiling Isles class might be useful, but other than that, I honestly don't know what Luz gets out of the place outside of friendship. Yeah, but I mean, hey, she also wants to be a witch, so I guess she gets that out of it too. I guess. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, and I have just one other thing here. Uh, hey, I noticed that there's a bi pride flag because uh, in the photos of the like the little album that Bump's looking at about like memories about Gus, Willow and Luz, uh, there's one of them at Grom where they're like posed around Bump just with him embarrassed a bit, and Luz has flowers in her hair that definitely are the colors of the bi pride flag. <laughs> I see you, Owl House crew. You're not gonna get that out past me. <laughs> kind of meant to yeah. bring this up uh, a little while ago, but how do you feel about the um? interlocking glyph system i like it i i feel like it would be like a little too easy if they just kept introducing more glyphs especially with like their limited time <laughs> that they had like i feel like maybe their initial idea was they would introduce a few more or so but then like with time constraints they were like let's find a way to just like kind of wrap this into the story of like yeah you just use the same ones and just put them in a pattern or whatever and do it that, that way makes sense i, I like it yeah, uh, it again, it reminds me a lot of, like, the the transmutation circles from the Fulmel right. and all of, like, yeah, just doing that to make different things. Yeah, I guess my main concern with it is, and obviously this can be hand-waved as necessary, but if we have to combine the glyphs to do different spell effects, it seems like a pretty big disadvantage in an actual fight, like... Yeah, you, you can't make those on the fly, really. Yeah, I mean... Like, like you can probably have, like, some of them prepared, for, you know, it's like a contingency just in case, but you probably would want to save them for, like, a real bad situation and just use the basic four yeah. normally. Like, when we've seen um, Amity fight using Abomination Magic in the past, she had to make a separate circle for each thing she wanted the Abomination to do. 
So that would be yeah. just disastrous if you had to use glyphs for each of those. <laughs> yeah, a little inconvenient, but hey, at least I have an option. But yeah, a very cool design, though. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's all my notes. I have a few bits of trivia. Uh, proving myself to be a liar because I was like definitely episode, last episode being like I think the uh, trivia kind of dies off a bit but no apparently <laughs> not <laughs> uh, yeah so I mean we have three new characters introduced in these episodes that I can cover the voice actors because as I mentioned earlier the Golden Guard is voiced by Zeno Robinson he has a lot of credits I'll just list a few of his more well known ones uh, he voices Sakaki I hope I'm pronouncing it right and Hawks in My Hero Academia he voices uh, Christopher in Chris Tales, which is uh, like a pretty interesting little like uh, RPG that I played the demo <laughs> of. Kind of is mean to go back to that. I think it's on Game Pass. He voices Kaito in Scarlet Nexus, which I think is the male protagonist option. I don't know. I only again I played a little bit of that through Game Pass, and I picked the girl because I'm forcing to play the girl because she has like knives that she just floats around and kills people with. Uh, he also voices uh, Rion in Nero Reincarnation. He is also the voice of Sean in Mitchells vs. the Machines, oh. Remy in Big City Greens, uh, Bakun, again, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, in Agretuko, and Carter and Omar in Craig of the Creek, and he also voices Go in Pokemon The Journey. Wow. Yeah. Interestingly, also, he's the voice of Derwin in Season 2, Episode 7, one of the members of the Bats. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and that's only, like, that's only a bit, like... And, like, I remember, like, listening in a little bit to, like, him talking in one of their, like, charity streams. He really struggled for, like, a decade to get into voice acting. And, like, when he finally got in, he really hit yeah, it Yeah, for real. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you know how it is with uh, voice actors. You'll see hundreds of roles yeah. on the same person. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Uh, Odalia Blight is voiced by Rachel McFarlane. She only has, like, a few uh, credits here, but I do have a few that are noteworthy. Ooh, I just said that voice actors voice... do hundreds of rules. Stop proving me wrong immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a lot of them I didn't recognize, so I only just took the ones I noticed. <laughs> uh, she's the voice of Haley on American Dad, which I think is at, like, season 19. I don't know how the fuck that show is still going, but it is. Uh, she's also number 362 on Codename Kid Next Door. Ooh. And has a variety of different roles in the rebooted Animaniacs show. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, yeah, it's kind of more like background characters. Like, she's not one of the main characters. So, like, it's it's really more I didn't specify which ones. Uh, and then Alador Blight, again, only has, like, a few that I really, like, took note here. He is uh, voiced by Jim Peary, who is the voice of Mr. Bronzino in Luca. Uh, David Vega in Victorious. And... King Regis in Final Fantasy XV, who I also just learned is apparently King Regis the 113th in that <laughs> game. Uh, also, a little fun fact, uh, Selfie is voiced by Steve Blum, who I think voiced Cloud in the Kingdom Hearts games. I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, also, the things I have here, uh, Season 2 is when Brad Breek took over as doing the musical score from TJ Hill, but they still obviously use TJ Hill's intro and outro music, because those are just so right. good. Uh, the Celtic Dominus poster, uh, similar to the Snaggleback Doodle from ep Season 1, Episode 4, is also drawn in the style like a Monster Hunter monster. Uh, it's just, again, also a thing for me that I like. <laughs> Uh, Luce's sailor outfit, which he didn't really mention, straight up looks like a Team Aqua grunt from Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah, except which, it's got uh, a bug head on it. 
Yeah, but it's like it's close enough. <laughs> she she really looks like a team Aqua Grunt. Uh, the fact that Lilith comes up with the nickname Hootsifer for Hootie sounds a lot like the myth about Lilith being the concubine of Lucifer. I don't know if you caught on to that, but it's like I feel like that's why they went with Hootsifer is like a little like joke there. <laughs> it's complicated. Uh, yeah. It's mythology. What are uh, you gonna do? Just... Yeah. We also, of course, get a pretty obvious amphibia reference because one of the books Willow's dads gives her has Hop Hop's mm-hmm. face on it. I think it's like the lifespan of the common swab yeah, toad or whatever. That's exactly that the one. Called. Yeah, pretty similar to that. It's just straight up Hop Hop. <laughs> uh, episode 2 is also the very first time that someone other than Luz herself actually uses her full name. <laughs> because every other time, everybody's always called her just Luz or the human or Luz the human. But it's because, like, Odalia Blight actually calls her Luz Noseda on the PA. <laughs> so, yes, people actually do know Luz's last name. Confirmed. <laughs> uh, I have just a few more things here. Uh, Blight Manor's address is 811 Brugel. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Boulevard, Bonesboro, H120890, Right Arm, Boiling Isles. This has multiple references and a weird implication because, uh, Pieter, again, I don't remember, it's like a Dutch name. Pieter Brugel is a Dutch Renaissance and Flemish painter that was one of Dana's inspirations for designing like backgrounds for the Boiling Isles. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, 120890 is Dana's birthday, because her birthday is December 8th, 1990, which also reminded me, once again, that I am almost three whole years older than Dana Terrace. <laughs> that's, that's just, yeah, no, that hits hard. Uh... The fact that the card also specifies the address as being on the Boiling Owls possibly points to, like, while there might not be, like, full titans that have, like, populations, there could be, like, islands and archipelagos and stuff like that, and that they have, like, an actual interconnected mail service? Yeah, I mean, we did get I, I confirmation that there are def- other yeah. bones that we know about in the Boiling Seas, so I don't see yeah. why other people couldn't have settled there. Yeah, it's just an interesting note, because, like, the fact that it does specify that, like, the, uh, that, that's actually something I got from the Outhouse wiki uh, or whatever that like mentioned that it's like this probably implicated that, implied that they actually have a postal service of some <laughs> sort. <laughs> yeah, just an interesting little note. Uh, like I said earlier, one of the official subtitles accidentally revealed that Willow's dad's one of their names is Gilbert. It's actually not in the credits. I was wrong. It's in the subtitles because actually like credits him with her <laughs> name. Uh, this is also the only the third time that we ever see King open his mouth because he sneezes and his mouth opens <laughs> there. The other two times being in convention in, uh, in Adventures in the Elements. And apparently the Abomaton butler is named Lurch, which is the ref- a reference to the Adams family because their butler was yeah. also named Lurch. I wasn't aware that yeah. the uh, Blight butler was named that, but yeah, absolutely. I-, I think it's like, I think it was like a note. I think maybe it was like something Dana had mentioned at one point, just in like an AMA or something <laughs> like that. Because like he-, he definitely doesn't have like a, vo- a voice or anything like that, so he doesn't get credited in credits or anything and nobody like calls him lurch but i think it's like yeah apparently his name is lurch it's honestly a shame because lurch in the uh the original adams family tv series the live action black and white one was almost entirely mute he had one line every now and then he was mostly monosyllabic. so if Uh, this was the only abomination that could talk and it just spoke in one word sentences that would be very much appropriate for well we have actually seen that Abomatons can talk a little bit because, like, it, when we're introduced to Amity, like, when she has her Abomination, like, show up to show off to Willow, she does tell it to speak, and the, Abomaton, the Abomination does at least say, you're a star. That is true. And... Yes. Yeah. And I guess also the fact that, like, 
Louis pretending to be in an abomination where she does the whole abomination mm -hmm. joke. It's like, I guess it actually kind of is implied that they can speak. I it guess this, that's fair. We've just never seen it outside yeah. of Amity Swan. Yeah. It might be more like a, like, kind of like being like a bit of a parrot where they just can repeat things that people have told them mm -hmm. or something. Or like part of like the spell is like having them speak words. I feel like they don't have any like consciousness to do with themselves or to what they say. That's fair. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's all that I have for trivia. Again, actually, way more trivia than I thought. <laughs> but I feel like feel like a little bit from here it might loosen a bit because like we only really meet like one more character in the first part. I guess I, we'll find I out. Fuck, no, I'm forgetting about Rain. <laughs> I was like, I was thinking of V, and it's like, dang, I forgot about Rain. <laughs> Sorry, Rain. <laughs> all right, but yeah. Uh, again, don't really have much for Lucy's crimes. It's really just repeat offenses at this yeah. point. I mean, she does lie to the Emperor's second-in-command, but, like, at the same time, she's also lied to the Emperor, so it's kind of the same. And she technically endangers King by taking him with her, with her on the hunt and all, but, yeah, she's endangered everybody at this point. <laughs> the child endangerment's not exactly a new one on this show. Yeah, nah. <laughs> and then, uh, for the Artist of the Week, uh, this is one person that I kind of meant to do earlier, but didn't get around to it. I am going to shill... I hope I'm also pronouncing their handle right, of Yulka. Uh, I unfortunately could not find what pronouns Yulka uses, so I'll just default to they then, just be safe. But yeah, uh, I also can't unfortunately really show their Twitter nor Instagram handle because they have like a bunch of underscores before Yulka and then like two or three after. So it's kind of hard to like be able to get a whole gist of it. But if you just go on Twitter and just search Yulka, you'll find them pretty quickly. They, I think they're Russian, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, based on like some of the writing that they do at times looking like it's Russian. But yeah, uh, they make a lot of, like, future, like, alternate universe comics of, like, Lucy and Amity as, like, a couple with a daughter and all. But aside from that, they've made uh, the pretty funny uh, Mario Kart mini-comic that I think I posted before, where it's, like, them all playing Mario Kart on Switches, and, like, Willow comments that Amity's been hanging onto a blue shell and should, like, use it and get more useful items, but she's like, I just want to learn the controls so far. <laughs> and at one point... Gus overtakes Luce in first place, so Amity immediately fires out the blue shell to fuck over Gus to let Luce win, and just claims that her finger slipped while blushing while Willow's looking at her very accusatorily. Uh, they also made a little mini-comic recently of uh, the little like abomination butler that Amity makes for Luce in Eclipse Lake, where it actually draws a doodle of Amity and gives it to her, and she like is happy and brings it. It's cute. Uh, there's also another one where Amity thinks that Luce really does fry owls because she sees that, like, uh, Luce has made, like, a fried chicken for lunch or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very funny thing. Uh, there's also another great one where, like, she sees, like, uh, I think in just, like, in Luce's, like, chest or whatever in her room, it's just, like, Edith's oh, stuff is in there and, like, she has, like, stockings or something like that and, she, like, uh, Amity has been lied to by Ida thinking that humans shed their skins, and so it's freaked out about it, and, like, Ida, uh, Luce explains it, it's just like, no, it's just, like, a fashion thing, and so Amity's like, but do you wear them? And she immediately goes, no, and burns it. <laughs> it's also well, very that sounds lovely. Also, of course... So, well, that sounds just lovely. Yeah, uh, but also, one other thing, mostly to my interest, uh, Yoka is the person that made the Amity Twitter header that I use, because I commissioned Oh, nice. Them. Yep. Yeah, it used to be my avatar, but now I actually use an avatar made by Kaiwa who I've mentioned before at length because they make the mm -hmm. plushies. 
Okay, I uh, commissioned them to do one of like what I want to look like in the future once I get my hair style done. I mean, as commissions go, that's probably the best one. <laughs> yeah, it's very cute. So yeah, that's yeah, Yoko. Yeah. Again, kind of hard to show their stuff, but they're easy to find enough if you just search a little bit. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, you've just talked mm -hmm. kind of a lot. Would you like me to handle questions for you? I I don't think you have access to the Twitter nor the email though. I mean, I can <laughs> see the Twitter. Yeah. It's just it's publicly available. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's true. Right? Yeah, you can handle that, and then I'll do the email. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's go ahead and start our questions with our first question. Uh, this is from Erica at Silent underscore Magnus. Uh, pick a cartoon or show you liked as a kid. How would you make it gayer? Uh, I yeah, I, I like that I immediately responded to Erica on Twitter because I had a really good idea. It got mentioned earlier in one of our other discords about people talking about Hey Arnold, <laughs> and my mind was immediately Hey Arnold, make Helga gay and have her become girlfriends with Phoebe, which is her like best friend who kind of hangs around with her a lot, like the little like nerdy kid with like the glasses. That's fair. So like yeah, don't don't make Helga pine for Arnold. Just make her be gay and uh, ask Phoebe out. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I hesitate to show this, but frankly, for me, it would absolutely have to be Danny Phantom. That was number one top favorite show as a kid. <laughs> um, I'm very aware that the creator is now a bad person, but uh, yeah. oh right, because it's the guy. It's also the guy who did uh. Oddly fairly odd parents, uh, yeah. parents, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember the hearing yeah, that. Yeah, he's not a good dude. But the thing is, dude. I don't really have to do much work to make it gayer. Because he... Butch Hartman does this thing where he keeps accidentally writing trans narratives and then getting mad about it when people point it out. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Danny, as portrayed in the show, is pretty distinctly trans mask so really the only thing we have to do to make it gayer is to acknowledge that and we're good <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it's kind of like how like it's like i guess the only way you could kind of make gayer uh my life is a teenage robot if they really did just say that jenny is mm -hmm. trans that's exactly it yeah because her name's yeah because her name's yep. jenny right <laughs> okay got it right haven't seen that show either. <laughs> oh goodness we've got a wealth of choices <laughs> Yeah, got a lot. Yeah, um, so the next question, actually the next three questions we've got uh, from at Casey Cosmos. What role would you have on a fantasy slash cartoon pirate ship? Uh, I feel like I'm, if I'm not just one of the swabbies, I feel like I might be like the person in, in like the logistics or whatever, just as, like a stupid little assistant to the captain. <laughs> Try, trying to either avoid as much physical labor as possible or having to do all of it. <laughs> Um, if it's specifically a cartoon pirate ship, I think maybe just a general mook. But like, mm -hmm. the thing is, historically, we we kind of imagine the captain is in charge and up there yelling and shouting orders and all that. But that's not what a captain does. They yeah. are in charge while the ship is sailing. But the instant you get into a fight, it shifts command and the captain goes and hides somewhere else. So that's very yeah. much my idea of a job, is just I, teaching I, people I, how to I, sail and then hiding when they fight. Yeah. I guess Skies of Arcadia isn't actually that accurate, because Vice definitely just takes the helm during combat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no pirate media is accurate. Yeah. 
He's got to be the one that fires off either the giant harpoon cannon or the giant laser gun. He just wants to do it himself. Yeah, no, the bosun is in charge, Which... usually. Although, yeah. sometimes it's the quartermaster. The bosun or the quartermaster is in charge during combat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, follow-up. What aquatic mammal do you like the most? Penguin. <laughs> Easy answer. I actually got to pet a penguin once. Uh, we did uh, one year like when we were... God, was this California or Florida? I think it was, it was maybe Florida. I forget fully, but like we did like a like behind the scenes thing. At again, not gonna sound great at Sea World. <laughs> I know Sea World is shitty, but like it did like a whole thing of like one that was like having dinner in like the holding tank for the whale that they just call Shamu, even if it's like the 18th Shamu. Or <laughs> yeah. The fuck. And part of it was also like seeing like the penguin exhibit like behind the scenes and like they had one that it's like yeah you can just walk over and pet this penguin if you want it's like cool they're very slimy <laughs> i don't mean to derail your story quill but is a penguin a mammal mm -hmm. uh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh whoops sorry okay i'll go with seal <laughs> sorry i was just really thinking about animals but i mean if it's just aquatic like animal overall then penguin but yeah if it's mammal in particular then yeah penguin. no totally fair i <laughs> just <laughs> yeah nah seals are, seals are funny guys that are just having fun <laughs> okay um i think and i don't know if i've been a little brain poisoned by phineas and ferb i absolutely love platypus <laughs> um they're great. They're probably my second favorite animal overall. But also, I don't know if they're technically aquatic mammals, because every time they're referred to in that show, they're called semi-aquatic. <laughs> yeah, hmm, I don't know. But also, don't platypi lay eggs? They do. They okay. are yeah, monotremes, so if you want to be specific about okay. it. One of only a very yeah, few amount I, I of think, mammals that lay eggs. I think eggs. that technically also means... I think that means they're also not mammals. Well, they are, actually. Like Platypi fall into a very specific category of egg-laying mammals. There's only three of them. Okay, well, I'm proven wrong again. Oh, yes. <laughs> Big up on Platypi. Yeah. You know that the males have poison? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that is something I do remember. Because I remember at one point reading it as, like, the platypus is kind of just, like, if you believe in, like, you know, creation myth and everything. It's just, like, God kind of took whatever leftover parts of the suit ever. <laughs> That's how I remember hearing them described at one point. Because it's like, yeah, they also have yeah. venom. I'm like, yeah, sure. Venom, electroreception. It's great. I love them. Yeah. yeah. The duck bill, just whatever, whatever you got. Exactly. Throw it in there. It's like a, it's like, it's like you brought, it's like a potluck of animal stuff. <laughs> yeah. So finally, Casey finishes with which parents in fiction suck the most. Ooh, that's a big ominous silence. It's, kinda, it, it's kind, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to think of ones that really suck more than I'll tell you. Blind, let's be real. <laughs> uh. I guess if I had to go with, like, just outside Owl House, I would say Faralor and Ozai, because fuck that oh, guy. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> that guy is a fucker. I, I guess it's, like, also, like, the question is parents, so it's, like, I mean, at least, like, his wife, or, again, I forget Zuko's mom's name, but at least, like, she's good. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, isn't she also responsible? I'm pretty sure she's also responsible for, like, the murder of uh, the previous Faralor <laughs> as part of, like, a deal to get out of the Fire Nation or whatever. So it's like, I would say that, like, you know, I, I guess she gets a pass as well, because, like, she, like, did everything to try to protect Zuko and uh, also Azula, even with Azula being a nightmare. But it's like, yeah, if, if I was just going, like, parent in singular, who sucks on, like, the same level as the Dolly of Light, it's definitely Ozai. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm absolutely going to have to go back to Danny Phantom here. Jack and Maddie Phantom are awful parents. <laughs> they accidentally kill their son and then spend the rest of the show trying to kill him again. <laughs> oh, cool. What, they turn to, like, exercise of ghosts or something? Uh, yeah, they don't realize that Danny Fenton and Phantom are the same person and are convinced that Danny Phantom is a supernatural criminal, so they want to rip him apart molecule yeah. by molecule. Fun. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super good. <laughs> uh, that's all the Twitter questions, That is right? everything from Twitter. All right. Uh, the one email, one that we have, is from Abby... Abby mentions that like she's surprised we haven't brought up the messages, but like I feel like we've mentioned them to Top Fan, and we're like, yeah, Ray knows them, so we're not going to cover them, and also the hidden words. Uh, but yeah, the question that she did have, though, is if you had to make money in the Boiling Isles, what odd jobs would you do? Um, hmm. Good question. I have yeah. very few uh... applicable skills. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out if you live in the human realm and you go to, like, a magical demon realm, it's, like, kind of hard to translate, like, office work kind of stuff to that. Well, like, don't get me wrong. Uh, I play seven instruments, make chainmail, and blacksmith, but none of that is stuff they do in the Boiling Isles. I mean, they probably make, like, armor and stuff, so they probably make chainmail. Maybe, or maybe they just magic it. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we see them, like, forge books, so, like, potentially they probably forge books. Yeah, actually, you know what? That would well. absolutely be it. I want to be an apprentice to a book forger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I would just have, like, some sort of, like, administrative assistant position at, like, one of the schools or something. Yeah, just, like, the kind of stuff that I'm used to of just, like, yeah, like, filing mm -hmm. stuff and whatnot. Definitely not trying to hunt monsters. That would be bad. <laughs> Yeah, or, yeah, um, I could just set up in sure Bonesboro that's... with my bagpipes and hope that I didn't get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that is the only email question nice. we have. Nice. Uh, hey, the email finally got used 11 weeks ago. Thank you very much for using the email, Abby. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we appreciate uh, it. For future reference, if you have questions to send the show, you can find us at usweirdoscast on Twitter and at uh, usweirdoscast at gmail.com. But uh, I think that's pretty much it for today. I don't have anything else to you, Quill. No, I think that's all. Okay, well, uh, we'll see how it looks in the edit. But once again, we have made the longest episode ever. So uh, did we, we really? sure did. I feel like we've gotten more than 2020. <laughs> <laughs> or two hours 20, I mean. But yeah, so uh, for now, I'm at patch underscore jacket on Twitter. Um where mostly I'm just melting down these days. We're all in a slow state of decline, but every now and then there's cute animals. Yeah, yeah. both of us definitely have been retweeting a lot of stuff about trans writers. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and you can find me at, at on. Again, I tried to post more about my new roommate's cats, but it's also at times where the cats kind of hang out in her room, and I don't want to barge into her room to take photos of the cats, even when she doesn't. Such a shame. Room. It's hard That's to steal cats from your yeah. roommate, but I'm sure you'll achieve it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they hang out with me on occasion, like, especially these mornings with, like, me having to actually, like, make, like, breakfast for myself, or, like, about, like, two hours before they actually would get breakfast, because they eat at nine. So they definitely have been, like, hanging around me, being like, hey, what you doing? Can we help with that? Especially with me the last two days having made, like, blazing buffalo chicken sandwiches for lunch later on. They are super invested in those. <laughs> and it's like, no, sorry, kitty, I can't give you this, because, I mean, you might eat it. <laughs> 
because you're a cat, but like at the same time, you're probably going to have some wicked shits and it probably won't be good for you <laughs> later in the long term. Listen, I don't know. My cat likes spicy food. You can't. Yeah, I mean, use capsaicin spray I mean, to keep I, cats I, off stuff. My cat will come along and lick that up. I, I know that Blue actually does really like milk, even though I know cats aren't supposed to really like milk. So, like, she's definitely tried to shove her face into, like, my cereal <laughs> at times. And, like, she, she, like, yeah, she she also really, of course, like, if you have, like, a, like, uh, like, one of those, like, cheesy kind of pasta, she's definitely interested in that. I felt super bad because, like, one day I made, like, a cheesy broccoli pasta and put, like, a can of tuna in it to mix it up because that's just a thing yeah. you can do. And they were definitely, both those cats were definitely giving me a bit of a stink eye of, like, not only... Do you have fucking milk here, Quill, but you also have a goddamn can of tuna and you're not gonna share? <laughs> you monster. <laughs> yeah, it's also because, like, I, again, aside from my new job and everything, which is you know, much like the same thing as an old job with me, I'm gonna eat more, like, earlier than my roommates and all. I also get home sooner, so I also eat dinner sooner, so of course the cats always hang <laughs> around me because they're like, where's ours? Where's our food, yeah. fucker? <laughs> Alrighty. They're good cats, though. Well, thank you for telling us about your cats. I think we all needed that lightness to end this show. <laughs> I mean, not my cats. Sam's cats. They, they, I, mean, I, just, I, just, I just live in their domain. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess uh, until next time, there's nothing left to say. But remember, us weirdos have to stick together. Us weirdos have to stay together. Bye. Bye. It would be pretty funny, though, if, like, this part of the Audacity recording gets corrupted for some reason and we can't use Craig's backup and it just ends on me saying I was all his thick as hell.